Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C Certified Brewhead, and welcome to episode 120 of Beer and Other Shit Podcast Adjunct Series. We have a banger tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Very excited for this one. This has been a brewery that I have only been around for a bit, but I've only discovered them uh, in a bit more depth over the last few months. So I'm excited to get into the beers, into the combo, and learn all about it. But of course, as always, this episode of BOS is brought to you by Manscaped, our good mates. Now, uh, breaking news, Manscaped now sells beard products. That's right. They are once again revolutionizing men's grooming with a brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit that I have to my right. From a beard trim to a fresh shave, the technology behind the Beard Hedger Pro Kit allows you to shape your signature beard look. Now you can finally use Manscaped products to make your drapes match your carpet. That's amazing. Uh, By going to manscaped.com and using the code BAOS for 20% off and free shipping. Now, uh... This right here, this is the the beard trimmer. I love that it is uh, all completely cordless and the battery lasts ages. And also with this one, you can even do it in the shower. You don't even have to completely keep it dry, which is wicked. Now it's time to tame your mane. No one likes a weird beard. So say goodbye to all your stubble trouble with Manscaped's Pro Beard Kit. It all starts with the beard head to this bad boy. Now this thing is a juggernaut of fixing faces. First off, this cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel, which is this bad boy at the back right here. And uh, that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths, all with one guard. So just this one here, you don't even have to take it off. And uh, so no more messy drawers for the extra add-ons. That's right, face grooming doesn't need to be hard. Get 20 different beard lengths in just one guard. Plus it's waterproof, as I said, so you can shave in the shower to avoid all that hair in a sink. The titanium-coated T-blade, which you can't really see, it's under here. Um, it's tough on hair, but smooth on your face, leading to single stroke efficiency, and that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. The Pro Kit doesn't end there, though. They have created four dermatologist tested formulations for your post trim care. First, there is the beard shampoo and conditioner, which is this little fella uh, right here. You need to remember all your hair is different. Your beard hair is more coarse and easy to damage than all the hair on your head. That's why the kit has made shampoo conditioner specially designed to moisturize, reduce ingrown hairs, replace natural oils, and promote beard health. Now, next, the kit has Manscaped's beard oil, which I'm a big fan of. Love this stuff. Uh, An essential piece for your main facial accessory. No one wants a guy whose beard is brittle and dry. Facts. The oil relieves dryness both on the beard and the skin beneath while adding a little shimmer and shine, making you look extra fine. Cap off the kit with the beard balm. Uh, one of these little bad boys, uh, that pr- a pomade that shapes, styles, moisturizes, and tames for a sculpted look to attract any fellows or dames, whatever you're into. The Pro Beard Kit also comes with three free gifts, a beard brush, the uh, comb and scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress. Kind of like, this is very convenient. You can give it a little one-two right before the pod, you know, vibes. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code BAOS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code BAOS at manscaped.com. Uh, beard hedger, one stroke, one guard, 20 lengths. And with that, it is time for the pod. So ladies and gentlemen, this is a, a great one, like I said, um, an episode I've been wanting to do for a while. Um, heard a bunch about this brewery, started to test out some of the stuff uh, at uh, Durand, my favorite store here in Hamilton. And gosh darn it, I was impressed. So I'm very excited to get into it. So guys, please welcome Greg from Counterpart and Nathan from Nathan Does Beer in the building. What's up, boys? How's Welcome. Chilling. Welcome, Greg. 
Thanks for having me. Mate, genuine pleasure. Um, like I said, excited to, to chat with you and to, to hear all about the brewery. Um, you know, you guys have uh, quite a reputation. And uh, like I said, been uh, getting into your, your, your stout series, the one you dropped recently, um, which was fantastic, the ninth laugh. Um, and I know the haze bombs are, are consistent and killer. So we're going to get into some gems this evening. Um, shall we crack a beer and get this started? Let's do it. All righty. So tell us what we're starting with, man. Yeah, so we're going to start with uh, Full Circle. It's, uh, it's a dry hopped Kolsch. Um, oh. Hop with uh, Kalista's German, German hop. Uh, yeah, floral, citrusy. Chris, super easy drinking. Probably a little bit more bitter than your average, uh, your average Kolsch. Uh, but... Yeah, one that I like a lot. Hell yeah, man. Dry hop cultures are something that uh, I don't recall seeing a ton of. This is uh, pretty unique. Is that something you guys would agree with, or am I boosting a bit there? Yeah, like we, 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 uh, when we did our Italian Pilsner, that was the first time we kind of played around with uh, dry hopping a lager. Uh, this isn't a lager, it's a Kolsch, but uh, same kind of idea. And yeah, yes. it, it's a really delicate ad. Uh, you're just just trying to drive a little bit more aromatics, which is cool though. I feel like coaches tend to let, get left, maybe you know, left to their own devices just to do their thing. Whereas um, you know, I guess the dry hops tend to be lagers, pilsners, and things like that. So it's cool to see a dry hop cult. Nick, have you ever seen one before? Yeah, the only other the only other one that I can think of, um, Sawdust City for a little while had a series of uh, of dry hopped colches uh, like that, and they that they did a few different um, uh, like hopped features uh, like for that. But that's the only other one I can think of, and that's also going back a few years at this point. Gotcha. So I well, I guess I'm relatively on on the mark there that it isn't the most common uh, style, which is super fun, man. Um, I love that. So shall we cheers? Yeah, let's do it. Get it in you boys. Cheers. That is delightful. It is pretty bitter. Now, this is my first beer of the night, and I feel like my uh, palate is always a little swayed. We're going to talk us through it. Yeah, so with our uh, our, mm. our crispy beers, like we, we generally go a little bit more on the bitter side. Like, yeah. I really like more kind of North American lagers that usually have more pronounced uh, hot profile. Uh, but yeah, just really crisp, clean, easy drinking. Um, yeah, in terms of the flavor, pro- like hot profile, yeah, citrusy, a little spicy, uh, yeah. floral. And uh, yeah, do do late, late kettle additions, a little bit of a dry hop, really just to bring those, uh, you know, those hoppy. Hoppy notes to the forefront, um, kind of light, crackery, uh, malt bill. Uh, yeah, relatively, relatively uncomplicated. It's it's simple, easy drinking, uh, but you know en- enough going on to, you know, to to make it somewhat intriguing. Love it. What was the? Yeah, I, lo- I I I love how dry it is. It's. Um, like with how it's also like it's also kind of got that peppery note at, like at the end and like with a really really nice dry bitter finish it uh, like it is almost reminiscent of an Italian pills in that way. Mm. Yeah. What was yeah, the hop again? Uh, it's a Callista. It's a Calista. German. German Thank hop. you. Sorry. Yes. But, yeah, I brewed this beer a couple times now. Uh, this last time we actually dropped the ABV down a little bit, dropped from five down to four point five. 
and uh, we change the dry hop. Uh, I think each time as well, but uh, just kind of playing around all, all in the same kind of noble, uh, you know, family. We, we haven't done anything, you know, we're not adding citra or any kind of modern hops to it, but uh, that seems appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Like that's, that's certainly a thing too. Like if you wanted to do a more of a modern dry hopped, you know, lager category beard by all means, but uh, not really our intentions for, for this beer. I wanted to go for more noble classic kind of, kind of vibe. Completely. Um, I just saw, funnily enough, I just saw, saw my friend in, um, in Rochester who checked into this beer in like 2019. And so it's balanced. This place is so young and so promising and so impressive. Look at that. Shasta, we're cool. loving it. This is dope, man. This is, um, it's really solid. Um, I sw- like, I feel like I, even in like a blind taste test, like I feel like Kosh's, you can really like, m- not mistake it, but like it just, even though technically it's not a crispy, like, you know what I'm saying? Like it might as well be. It has a lot of the characteristics, like it's big and bold, tons of flavor. This is great. Yeah, yeah. For, for me, like, I, I couldn't pick it out necessarily from our lagers, aside from, like, the mm. flavor profiles are all different from lager to lager, but, but it's got all the same qualities uh, from, a, from a malt perspective, from a drinkability, from a overall drinking experience. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it's right there with all of our other kind of crispy beers that we do. That's great, man. You guys do a lot of cr- – oh, now you had – just before we even kind of move on there, you actually have a different uh, crispy than we have. Do you want to tell us about the one that you've got to um... – show off to a little something different yeah no i'm drinking uh are you talking about like the like what i'm drinking versus what you guys are drinking correct yes yeah so uh yeah we had decided to add this one kind of last minute to the roster i sent yeah. you guys this beer and didn't have one myself so yeah i'm drinking i'm drinking bright side which is uh it's it's a pilsner uh this was like very much on the on the hoppy side even for our loggers like drove a lot more ibus into this beer uh it's kind of loosely, we did a, a Pilsner called Meander for our third anniversary, which is a collaboration with Slake and uh, turned out really, really well. Um, so it's loosely modeled after that. For that beer, we did all uh, Barn Owl malt because that's what Slake uh, does the vast majority of the time. Um, but it's an Ontario maltster, kind of hard to source or get regularly. So this time we switched to a Czech malt and kept the recipe beyond that pretty pretty similar but yeah just a really really bitter uh hop forward lager that's awesome man you guys do a lot of crispies we do yeah yeah we've always done uh we've always done a good chunk of them we're going a little bit heavier uh lately just because we really enjoy them uh i'm not sure if you guys have been to the brew before but we do have like a full and pretty high-end food program uh so we sell a ton of lager like it like we've got 12 taps if we've got you know one lager going on those 12 taps it'll still be 25 percent of our sales just because they're really food friendly beers mm. uh, and we also get a, a certain percentage of our customers that come in that are there for the food and they want a beer while they're there kind of thing and they want something that resembles beer for them <laughs> uh because we do a lot of a lot of out there stuff so uh right. yeah we, we we do we do a lot of loggers and we're doing we're doing definitely more than these days okay that's wicked to hear nate have you been i'd love out? to see that um i have not been out no it's been uh, it, it's been a number of years since like since i've been out to uh, uh to niagara falls but uh, like i definitely like, love to come out that way though you're like right out there right in niagara right in, the, in like the falls kind of like, like, I guess, therefore, what you're probably telling me then is that people are coming in for the food and, and because you're in that region, 
maybe not even realizing the, the, the quality of the beer that they're walking into. Yeah, no, I would think uh, our, our beer and our food are kind of like pretty, pretty equal in terms of uh, our customer base. Like a lot of them are there wow. for, for both, uh, but a lot of them are there just for the food. A lot of them are just for the beer. And then you're, you know, you're, you're there for the beer, but you're eating food and vice versa. Uh, gotcha. But yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely like, even though we're in Niagara cool. Falls, we're in the North end of Niagara Falls, like the non touristy end. Okay. So we're, we're, we're definitely a local spots. So we see a ton of repeat, uh, repeat customers. And uh, yeah, they generally know what we're doing kind of all around. They, they've had our food, they've had our beers and uh, yeah, definitely not, not uh, like we, we, especially pre COVID we, we benefited from tourism for sure but it's not uh you know not a no primary okay yeah. okay and even just looking up i've pulled up google maps to see where you guys are in comparison to everything else i think it's, it's actually kind of probably works out better that you're just out of that tourist area because if people who are coming to visit they'll go and see the falls and then they you know i don't know, personally every time i go there i'm just like get me the fuck out of here so i can move up you know somewhere else like in away from sure. the, the tourists and this is perfect because you're probably in a place that's like very close by to where you just were, but just far enough out that you're kind of going to be away from like the mobs of crowds and, you know, you can just enjoy yourself, which is fantastic. Yeah. We're, we're probably eight minutes from the falls, oh, but man. we're like firmly, firmly off the beaten track. And cool. if tourists do come to us, it's because they were at another local bar restaurant and then their, their server told them to check us out. Like that's, that's kind of our back door to tourism. Like we don't do any, you know, marketing Major. towards that. Hmm. Okay. Any reason or it's just sort of not, not really necessary. Uh, I think like we, we just want to get the right customers in the door, like ones that are going to appreciate what we're doing. So rather than trying to get anyone, you know, who's in the area to, to come to us, if, if generally speaking, we get the tourists that are going to put in a little bit of effort that want to try something interesting while they're in town. And if, mm. because we make it, not right in their face like they have to ask their server what's good in town or we find that we just generally get people that are more aligned with what we're what we're trying to do and uh yeah it's just just more of an organic approach that has, has generally worked well for us that, i love that i love that a lot do you get um spillover from wine country from there so because obviously you know like people having a, a day in the wineries and then maybe you know you want to switch up obviously everything closes at like five six o'clock so you know, if you yeah. kick on and switch up the vibes, I guess you probably, I imagine it's not too far from Niagara Lake. Yeah. Yeah, we do. We we're probably, we're, we're kind of, we're kind of equidistance between the falls and uh, wine country. We're kind of right in the middle, Ooh. north end of Niagara Falls, right kind of on the edge of, of Niagara Lake. And yeah, like we, we get a fair amount of tour groups in and uh, you know, bachelor party and bachelorette parties and such. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, it, it's hard to, put a number on these things, but yeah, we get, we, we definitely get a fair amount of people that are, that have been out do, doing the wine thing or, and, and stopping by after for sure. Okay. Interesting. I'm just checking. Like we always, um, my girlfriend's pretty big into wine. So we'd always go like Stratus in Niagara mm -hmm. Lake was her fave. I'll just check. It's like 17 minutes drive from there. That's wicked, man. Yep. <clears throat> I didn't realize. Yeah. Okay. It's, it, it seems to be uh, like a, a growing thing and a nice thing to be able to have that spillover with the, uh, like b between the two crowds. We were just talking with uh, 
all my friends la- um, just last night, uh, like who are of course in uh, like in Bloomfield and uh, like in Prince Edward County, and the same like, like the same kind of thing. Lots of uh, um, lots of wine tours that will so- like that will sometimes end up there afterwards, and uh, like and it seems to be a pretty good crowd that they, like that they can get from that, and it seems like it's uh, a bit of a similar thing with you guys. Yeah, they're they're you know relatively like minded demographic. Uh, I find the the wine crowd like the wine goers in general. Um, if you're going to a winery, you're getting a little bit more of a you know pretentious, for lack of a better word, experience. It's a little bit more uppity. It's true. Uh, and 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 the the beer world's kind of the the contrast to that. And it's it's nice to experience both. So you're out doing your you know your fancier kind of tastings all day, and then and then you kind of come on wine and have a beer. So they I, I think it's a good it's a good uh you know relationship between the two and in general a, a demographic that crosses over to both definitely do you think um, do, do you think that there's uh like something that might like that might attract that crowd a little bit more with it like with you guys being more culinarily focused and like i'm sure we'll talk more about that uh, like as we go along but that's uh, like that's not always very common with breweries to have like to have a really strong focus on uh, like on food do you think that um like you think that helps like bring in that crowd a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, yeah, we, we definitely have a yeah menu that would kind of speak to that audience, but we, we also like, we always have at least a red and white wine, often a rosé as well. And we do like rotating, uh, with, with local wineries. Uh, so we generally, oh, that's keep, great. Yeah. Like we'll feature wine or feature a winery for, you know, two months or so. And then, and then rotate it through and, uh, so yeah, like, like we sell a fair amount of wine as well. And that's, you know, if people come in and, and want to is when you're talking, you know, food pairings and such, uh, if we have the opportunity to showcase the local winery, we're, you know, very happy to do that as well. I love that. Yeah, man. That's really cool. I, I did. I'm, I'm like very happy to hear how close you are to that. I think that's like, that's great. Um, cause I know when like, yeah, I know man- for go. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, I know. I, I know for me, like just because I'm, I've always been the person that's, uh, you know, dragging my my family around or my friends around to different breweries. And mm. I remember like going to San Diego with my parents, my my wife and my parents, and took my parents to probably twelve different breweries the first day we were there, and like not a single one had anything besides beer, which for me was great. But my my mom's just sitting there patiently there, and you know, she's not a beer drinker. Right. Uh, so <clears throat> it's 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 nice to be a little bit inclusive in, in that sense. Uh, if, if you've got, you know, a group of eight coming out and two of them don't drink beer, it's, it's nice that they can have a great experience too. So we, we just try to keep that in mind, uh, you know, having, having yet yeah, dragged my fair share of people to, to breweries that aren't, aren't into beer and, you know, just by getting them there, hopefully they, they can get their glass of wine and hopefully they, they try a beer while they're, while they're there and you can kind of bring them along. But, uh, yeah, we want we want people to enjoy their time when, when they're at the brewery. So yeah, wine wine's definitely a big big part of that too. Nice, really cool, really cool, man. Yeah, it's just you don't realize. Like I remember when Bench opened in Beamsville that that was like a big deal because it was pretty close. It was the only thing that was open past five or six o'clock, and it was you know often it's sort of the flip of what you just described. Like maybe from a couple. I mean, the the generic thing is that you know the the wife would be out there drinking the wine, and the husband is like you know, doing his thing and maybe a little bored and looking for something else. So it's kind of just good. But I feel like now that's obviously changed, like gender wise, everyone's kind of into everything. So it's just, it's just cool. Cause like, you know, even ourselves, I really love wine. Going to the wineries is a lot of fun. 
by the end of the day, it is a little tiring on your palate. So you do kind of look for something, you know, that's, you know, cold and bubbly and then works well with the food and stuff. So it's, um, I don't know, I think it's really valuable to have a, a high quality craft brew in on like, of course, added with the, the kitchen side um, in close proximity to, to wine regions. I think that's um, super important. It's great, man. Good for you guys. Yeah, was, for sure. Was that, are you from Niagara? Or was this like, the, was the intention to get, to build a place that was uh, close to wine country or did it just happen that way? Yeah, no, I, I'm from Niagara Falls. I'm from the north end of Niagara Falls. So, you know, my parents live five minutes away. My, my in-laws are two minutes away. Uh, yeah, so this is home. It's a, it's a part of town that I'm, I'm familiar with. So it's, it's more, uh, you know, the fact that Niagara Falls is a tourist town is great. The fact that it's a border town is, is nice. The fact that wineries are right there. Like these are all just things that happen to be the case. Uh, for us is more like we wanted to open a, a brewery in our hometown. And uh, there was also a big need for it in my, or at least a big hole for it. We weren't sure whether there was a demand for it because it didn't really exist. Uh, but there is an opportunity for it. And we'd, we'd kind of hope that if we, you know, opened it here and did it the right way, that there would be an audience for it. And we've been, we've been pretty fortunate in that respect. That's dope. Then, excuse me, a nice little segue from there. Let's let's sort of like scale it back a bit and go to the beginning of the story. I'd love to hear how you person, excuse me, you personally got into beer, and then how that led to the uh, the brewery opening up. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, from from Niagara Falls, as as I said, but uh, I moved out to I moved out west in two thousand and nine. I moved out to Vancouver area in, in British Columbia. Nice. Uh, for work. Uh, I work for BC Hydros out there. And yeah, at the time, there's really no craft beer scene in Niagara or Ontario for that matter. And, uh, but in that, like 2009 uh, in BC, like that's where the beer scene was really just starting. And it, and it blew up like from 2009 to 2012. Uh, the amount of breweries that opened was, was phenomenal. Uh, so yeah, upon moving out there, like I just got into it pretty quickly, just trying different beers. Um, you know, we started doing bike tours all the time. We'd get our, you know, our friends together and we'd hop around, you know, hit like eight or 10 breweries a day in East Vancouver, mm-hmm. uh, start shooting down to Seattle mm-hmm. and doing the same thing and down to Portland and we'd do, you know, bus tours, uh, going around to different breweries. So, uh, yeah, just got really, really into it. Uh, started home brewing around that time as well uh was doing that most weekends uh so i started to learn a little bit more about it too and uh beer trading for me was huge as well uh like in you know those those earlier days like in 2014 uh started started doing beer trading and you know getting my hands on you know treehouse in the really early days and trillium back when you know their their ipas were in 750 mil bottles and uh just trying you know really interesting things and getting like progressively uh you know more obsessed with it and uh wasn't really considering it as a as a vocation but i would talk about that like i when i'd come home i'd say to my mom they, they've got like a country property i'd you know when i'd say to her, like when we move home like what do you think about me opening a brewery like in your in your shed like just start, starting a little thing on the side uh and it wasn't totally it wasn't serious but um, it was serious enough for my parents knew that I was going, you know, get, getting really, uh, you know, obsessive over it that they, they bought me like a, or paid for, uh, for me to do like a one week course. Uh, it was like a, how to start a 
craft brewery, basically. Uh, that was at Oregon State University in, in Bend, Oregon, or Bend, Oregon. And uh, so went down there for the week, and it was, uh, yeah, full week of, you know, just meeting with uh, industry professionals and uh, spending your day in class, spending your nights going around to different breweries. I don't know if you guys have been to Bend, uh, but it's at the time it was the highest per capita, you know, breweries city in, in, in the world. I think at the wow. time it's probably, it's, it's probably the size of Niagara Falls and there's like 30, 40 breweries there. It's phenomenal. Damn. But, uh, yeah. So that was the first time I, I started, you know, kind of thinking about, uh, yeah, that kind of got the ball rolling and I started slowly kind of business planning or at least thinking about it. And, uh, yeah, we, we, my wife and I, uh, knew we always wanted to move home, wanted to move back to Niagara. So in, in beginning of 2017, we decided to do that. And, uh, when we were talking about what the plans are, I had to leave my job obviously to, to move, to move back. And, uh, my wife was, you know, super supportive and kind of pushing me to, to do it. And we, we, we figured like I would just come home without a job and moved into my parents' basement and, uh, I'd just start business planning and kind of take a stab at it is I had to switch jobs anyways. Uh, worst case, you know, if I couldn't take it anywhere. I wasted a few months and could always, you know, get back into the workforce. But uh, yeah, that was beginning of 2017. We opened beginning of 2019. There's a lot that happened in between there, which, you know, have to talk about that too. But uh, yeah, that's more or less kind of my, my journey to it. Uh, I, my business partner, Joe, he's our, he's our chef, phenomenally talented guy. So he's got his own story, his own journey, obviously. And the story of how we met and decided to do it together. It's all, you know, it's this whole separate story as well, but that was, that was kind of my, uh, you know, my, my journey towards it anyways. That's very cool, man. Have you, so you are currently the brewer as well? No, I'm the, no. the beer okay. side <laughs> of the ownership. I'm beer Joe's food. So I'm like heavily, heavily involved on that side, but we've got, uh, we've got a two man brew team, John, who's our uh, head brewery has been our head brewer since we opened. And uh, Eli's our assistant brewer as well. But the three of us work, uh, you know, work very closely together on our, on our beer program. Okay. Dude, that's sick. So um, when, obviously, you know, you said from the beginning, I know you were joking to your mom that you'd be, hey, I should open a brewery in your shed. Uh, how did you, I guess you started, like, just decided with Joe that you wanted to open in that area. I imagine he's from the area too, and it kind of made sense. Yeah, he's from uh, he's from Niagara on the Lake. Uh, he was also living out west. Uh, he moved out there before I did. Uh, I don't know, maybe two thousand seven or so. So he was out there longer than I was. It's actually his, my wife's uncle, Uncle Steve, and his dad Bucky. They were partners on the police force in uh, in Niagara Falls. And it was the two of them actually. They're they're golfing the one day and. Uh, started chatting about it. Like Bucky was talking about his son, you know, moving home to, to open a restaurant. My uncle Steve was like, yeah, my nephew's actually moving home to open a, open a brewery or that's the plan. And they kind of had this idea like, Oh, these guys should meet. Like that sounds like at the very least they have a lot in common. And, uh, so my uncle Steve calls, you know, the one day all half shittered from golfing all day. And he's just <laughs> super stoked about this revelation that he's had. And, uh, yeah, so he kind of set it all up, and, you know, he's telling us a little bit about Joe. And, like, I, I'm a big, you know, culinary cooking fan. Like, I used to watch, you know, all, all the shows, and uh, Joe was actually on, like, the first Canadian 
uh, episode of Diners, Drivers, and Dives. I don't know if you guys have seen that uh, guy oh, yeah. show, but uh, the first uh, episode that was in Canada, uh, the restaurant Joe was at at the time called Meat and Bread uh, was like the first restaurant featured on that show. So I, I, my wife and I go, you know, onto YouTube and we start pulling up videos of it and we're yeah, super stoked to meet him. Uh, and yeah, met Joe and his, uh, his partner, Jared at a brewery called Brass Neck in East Vancouver hit it off. And, uh, yeah, and it didn't really necessarily know we were going to do something together, but stayed in touch and, and we just happened to move home at roughly the same time. Like I, we moved to, or I moved home in February Joe came a couple months after that. So when he got home, I was already started into business planning. Uh, he had planned to uh, work for a couple years and kind of make connections in the area. And, but pretty quickly decided like he wanted, he wanted to do this. So uh, yeah, we kind of decided to, to join together at that time. And we looked at Niagara Lake. We looked at Niagara Falls. I really wanted to be in Niagara Falls. Uh, we, we ended up finding a great location and, uh, and Joe was all in for that as well. So uh yeah kind of a long uh answer to that but yeah that's how we how we kind of came to be in the area and came to be doing this thing together dude that's awesome i'm here for the long answers love it we that's why we got so we do two hours plus (laughs) um so then okay sick so as far as and nate jump in anytime if i'm hogging it too much um as far as the uh vision for both the beer and the food side i'd love to hear what you sort of had in mind obviously it sounds like you you know the inspirations from you know trillium and treehouse and the things that you were getting when you were training obviously the the vancouver scene is killer uh, particularly in the east family we we're talking about there um you know your inspirations sound like the beers that i've had so far and what i imagine we're having tonight um what was the sort of vision of, of the type of beers you want to create and then if you i mean I'm, i imagine you could probably speak on behalf of joe to sort of maybe what was the the, the food uh, vision what were you trying to create with them and how did they sort of work in tandem together yeah so on the beer side uh we just wanted to be you know progressive uh and evolve kind of with with the scene as it goes so yeah i've got a pretty good beat on what's going on uh both locally and outside that uh I'm very very influenced by by brewers in the u.s for sure like when we all the trips we've done over the last 10 years have been, been beer focused. All the like when we were at West, we'd, you know, spent time in Washington and, and Oregon and California and Colorado and did kind of all that side. And then as soon as I moved home, uh, my brother-in-law and I hopped in the car and drove out to, uh, uh, you know, Boston area and did Treehouse and Trillium and, uh, went down to Maine and did Bissell Brothers and Allagash and on to Vermont for Hill Farmstead and, foam and all. so like oh, yeah yeah i feel like i've got a, a good beat on on where the industry's at and i'm just genuinely a huge fan of all these all these beers so we wanted to be be progressive and uh certainly a focus on you know hazy hoppy beers uh adjunct stouts fruited sours lagers those are kind of like our four you know pillars with uh you know hazy hoppy beers definitely being the uh you know the, our primary focus and uh yeah on the food side we wanted to kind of match that from a you know being a progressive creative uh aspect and for for joe like he's just a you know super high-end talent so wanted to utilize that to the best of our abilities as well so we do like you know whole animal butchery uh which is 
for the area, you know, being able to get, you know, whole hogs from, you know, uh, Niagara on the lake and uh, be able to bush that in house and, and, you know, use it from, you know, feet to nose and not waste anything uh, cool. and be able to feature like local produce, the, the produce in, in Niagara is, you know, unparalleled. So uh, yeah, I just wanted to be equally kind of creative and, and engaging on both sides and with a heavy focus on rotating and doing new stuff on both sides too. Like with our beer, we, we have some beers that are available or, or have brewed more than once. We pure our, our Pilsners is really the only beer that's pretty much always available. We, we focus on, on rotating beers and same thing on the food side. Like we've got a feature board that has, you know, seven or eight features uh, and, and we rotate those out daily as well. So uh, yeah, just try to keep things moving, keep things interesting, keep our, keep our audience engaged and do things in the area that previously people, people weren't doing. And, uh, yeah, we had, there wasn't much by way of comparables for that. So we had to kind of take a leap of faith and hope that there is an audience for it. And, uh, yeah, as I said, we've, we've been, we've been pretty, uh, pretty fortunate that way. And, and people have been into it since, since we started. That's dope. That's awesome. Yeah. So the, the different strategies in terms of how different breweries decide to um, either rotate their uh, like rotate their offerings or um, uh, like or continuously roll out new ones is always an interesting conversation uh, uh, for us. So so you say uh, Pure is one of the like is maybe the only one that's like that's on offer all the time. Um, so, so were you saying the other ones ba- like basically don't really get repeated at all or like, or do they like, or do some still come around like every now and then, or is it basically like a one and done kind of thing? Yeah, we have, we have a bit of a different strategy for, for each category, like with, uh, with our loggers in general, uh, there's some repeatability. Like we probably have, you know, eight or 10 in our arsenal that we kind of rotate through, uh, with pale ales, same idea. We probably have four or five that we kind of, and, and we do different variants of them. Like flow is kind of our flagship pale ale, uh, which is, uh, uh, Citra Equinot Centennial. And we've done a million different versions of that where we'll rotate out Citra, which is the primary hop for Vic secret or for galaxy or for Nelson or whatever. Uh, so our more like everyday kind of crushable beers, we keep those a little bit tighter just because I think there's some value in having, you know, brands you can kind of rely on and know because those are the beers that you're drinking. You just get a six pack and keep them in the fridge kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, versus like our IPAs, double IPAs, we pretty much don't repeat those at all. Like there's just, you know, there's too many hop combinations to do and, you know, things we want to try. So, uh, and I think for, for that category of drinker too, like, it's just a very promiscuous sector of drinker. Like they just want whatever's new, myself included. Uh, so 100% try to take advantage of that. And and it's for us too. like, just be able to explore and do interesting things. Uh, on the sour side, we, we do a lot more like rotating series. So we'll have like, like blender, which is our, uh, lactose, vanilla, lemon zest, and a rotating fruit. So there's you know, mm. passion fruit blender, guava blender, or, or, and so on. So uh, same thing on the – we've got a roller. Uh, it's, it's an oatmeal stout series, and we do, you know, coffee maple roller or uh, coconut lactose roller or whatever. Like we've got kind of rotating series. So it depends on, depends on the, the category. But uh, in general, we're, we're changing things up 
a ton. Even if it's even if it's a familiar brand, we're still changing up the hop combinations and change up the adjunct combinations, things like that. Sick. Right on. I love that. Um, on um, uh, just uh, sorry there. Uh, see, before we go on, um, as much as uh, uh, like I even I, I even already finished this Kolsch because like it was too damn good. I could have drank that all night. But we've yeah. uh, got a lot of beers to get through tonight, so we should probably move on to the pale ale. That's what I was literally about to say. Yeah. Um, glorious. Speaking of pale ales, so I was just checking this one. Um, this one seems to have a, uh, a t- and I'm obviously untapped isn't the be all and end all, of course, but this has like a pretty decent amount of check-ins. This, uh, the one we're about to have right now. Um, this one had you done a few times? Yeah. I don't know, uh, how many times you've done it. It'd probably be, it'd probably be four or five times we've done it now. Okay. Uh, that would make sense. Yeah, I'd say flow being kind of our primary pale spill would be second to that. It was kind of built off of that too, like spill, like the name spill is supposed to play off the word flow, just being a smaller kind of version of it instead of instead of five point two percent alcohol, it's four point five. I like that. So keeping it keeping it nice and light. Yeah, that body looks great there. Yeah, it's got like a thousand check-ins. So I mean, like that's pretty significant for. Uh... Oh my god, it's bright. For like a beer, you know, that maybe you haven't done a ton. It's, it's awesome. Um, maybe you guys are getting more check-ins because of the styles as well. I imagine you're playing pretty much into that sort of typical untapped crowd, which it sounds like that's the three of us. Oh, fuck, my counterpart gloves. <laughs> I'm going to text my girlfriend to bring it down. Um, you know, what am I supposed to do? I need to be rep. I need to rep. I got the hat, but I need to wear the gloves. Um, so let me, so we can take a sip because we realize we keep doing all this stuff and talking about it and taking photos and then we just sit here never sipping. Uh, first of all, cheers guys. Cheers. Get that in you. Delicious. So 4.5, I just saw this has, um, Citra Amarillo and Eldorado. Which is that's awesome. a nice, um, like that's a nice uh, tight ABV on that um, on that one. I mean, I, like most pale ales, I'm uh, like I, like I was thinking probably somewhere in the five point five range. But uh, to have this um, to have this sub five is uh, like it, it, like it's pretty cool to be able to have it um, down that low. And despite the lower ABV, the body is still really really nice and fluffy and smooth. Yeah, certainly the goal, like to have, uh, we called this a session IPA initially. That name has just become kind of irrelevant and so you kind of phase it out, move it back to a pale ale. Yeah, but, uh, I agree. Yeah. The, the goal was to, yeah, have, have an alcohol level that you could, you could, you know, drink a whole pile of and then have it be really drinkable, but yeah, try to build up that mouthfeel a little bit. Uh, you know, have the hops still, still, still driving the bus and, uh, you know, keep it within balance as well. So, uh, yeah, this is, this is one that I drink a lot of. It's, it's one of our favorites at the brewery for sure. Yeah. I think, um, I think the pale ale style, like from, at least from a style name suits this better than, uh, um, than session IPA would have, um, what I, I mean, I often associate session IPAs with something that is, much thinner in body, um, with usually a bit harsher 
citric acidity and uh, like and bitterness and uh, and and that's not this at all. I would much more associate this with uh, like with a pale ale. And had I not seen what's on the can, I would probably would have guessed this is more in the five point five. Uh, percent range just based on uh, on the body like we've been saying this is really nice yeah man. yeah cool yeah no i, I agree I, I, fi- I found that with uh with uh session ipas as well like i don't know if that's by design or just the way that most session ipas come out but uh to me yeah pale ale just seems more like a more appealing category at this point so uh could not agree more yeah didn't didn't really change the recipe much but Pale just seemed like a better, uh, and these, these things are, you know, in the, in the beer world, they're pretty subjective. You can kind of call things what you want to call them, but, yeah. uh, from a mar- marketing perspective, I just like the way, you know, this, this beer felt like a pale to me as well. Mm. I feel like I know Nate has always never liked, um, session IPAs always found it like hilarious, but like, I always, I don't know. It's just like a turnoff. Like I'd much rather, I proactively reach for and purchase pale ales but I'm never going to go and buy a beer that's a session IPA. I just won't. <laughs> I don't know why. It's so dumb because it's like you said, it's the same thing. But there's something, when yep. it says paler, I'm like, oh, you intended this to be 4.5. And that is a full strength style. Whereas session IPA sounds like a weak version of what it's supposed to be. Anyway, I think it's just, it's psychology. It's weird. It's such a weird Yeah, thing. Yeah. No, no, 100% is. Uh yeah, there's there's an association to it that like that just doesn't uh, like that's just not positive. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, not at all. Um, and this is great, wicked. Like Nate said, I would definitely would not have guessed. Like absolutely would not have guessed four point five. I'd probably say about five five. Um, really nice and creamy, super citrusy. And I was wondering, speaking of psychology, as I was sort of smelling it and, and sipping, it and we were talking, I was like, I wonder if I'm getting citrus because the can's orange. I'm like, am I just like thinking citrus? But I'm seeing the tasting notes here, and it's all it's all citrus. Um, yeah, no, that's that's 100 the goal with this beer. Like, it's intended almost to be like a breakfast beer, so I'd almost get mm. that mimosa, like very mm. very orange tangerine clementine. Like that, the hop profile was kind of kind of built out for that purpose. And yeah, uh, yeah, the, the in terms of the brand and color, of the label, yeah, just felt kind of suiting. 100 fit, fitting. Yeah, very much so. No, this is this is fantastic, man. I can see this being like a, I can see why you've done it a bunch of times. Like it's, um, it's I, I can see this sort of really like speaking to a lot of palates and from what and this is kind of I guess a statement slash question. I've no like it typically seems to come up with. I was curious if you've noticed if there's any maybe drinking trends from your audience. Like are people more leaning towards these lighter, lower ABV beers recently? Not just like four point five, but you know like you know, six, 6.5% IPAs as opposed to the doubles. Like, have you noticed a kind of like a switch in the trends? Cause we've heard a bit of a mix and I imagine it's probably case by case, but I was wondering if maybe like post pandemic people were not willing to spend as much um, on the bigger beers sometimes. And maybe, you know, it's been hitting everyone's waistlines, particularly in the early days. I don't know if everyone's been able to fix that type of thing. Yeah. I think the trend's been kind of long, time coming in terms of like lower alcohol like loggers in particular but lower alcohol stuff in general uh yeah like i don't think that that's necessarily taking away from the big alcohol stuff i think the audience is still there for that too okay but uh yeah like like for me i think that part of it is just the the 
craft beer drinker in Ontario because we're we're pretty late to the game. Like it took Ontario, you know, it's pretty the last five years really is where so much of the evolution take place and, and the, the breweries have gotten to a really, really high level really quickly. Um, yes. And the consumer has kind of come along with that. And as, as you progress kind of on that journey as a craft beer drinker, you, you spend years like just trying the biggest alcohol, the most adventurous, the most whatever. And you kind of find yourself at a point eventually where you want things that are a little bit easier, a little bit less complicated things that you can drink a lot of and not think too much about, uh, and as your consumer gets older too, I know for me, like I've got, you know, two little kids now and uh, there's a lot of time where I want a few beers or a couple beers and you got to keep your wherewithal, whether it be your kids are napping and you want to crush a couple beers while they're napping and then you still got a parent after, or you want to, or like tonight having a bunch of beers and I know I'm getting up at 5.30 in the morning regardless. So uh, yeah, for, for like, it's more just kind of, it is a trend certainly in terms of lower alcohol stuff, but it's also just where I'm at personally. And, 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 you know, us as a brewing team has a you know a counterpart. Uh, so part of it's, you know, always just kind of brewing what we want to brew and what we want to drink. Uh, but it also aligns with, with the trends as well. Like, you know, you'd have to be pretty oblivious not to see, uh, you know, the surge of non-alcoholic beers and low alcohol beers and, uh, that, that are coming out now. So, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's great. It's just more things, you know, you can focus on, you can do. And when you get into these really low alcohol beers, like four and a half isn't even super, super low by today's standards. Yeah. You get into the threes and the twos and it's just more times, you know, opportunities to be able to drink and insert beer kind of into your day. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I guess what, what drives us on it. That's an interesting way to look at it. Like ways to insert beer into your day. I like that. Yeah, there's definitely been a, a lot of trends with the lower ABV. I found that um, – because I just moved here from Montreal maybe six months ago – that Quebec was ahead of the game on the lower ABV thing. And then like maybe four or five years ago, they were heavy with like the 2% beers and stuff that I thought was ridiculous. I thought it was the dumbest shit of all time. Um, <laughs> was not my bag at all. And then I found that they nev- they didn't – uh, jump on board maybe as quickly as I think Ontario did with the non-alcoholic stuff, which I'm actually a big proponent of. Like I genuinely love that stuff. I just would rather drink none than like two because if I'm going to drink alcohol, I want alcohol. But if I want to pretend to drink alcohol, then give me non-alcoholic beer. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, I'm, I'm kind of the opposite in that sense. Like it, yeah? I, I, I really like that, you know, 3% where I can have a couple and you know, you, you're, you're, it's the middle of the day, you know, you're still going to have it. You're still going to feel it a little bit. Uh, but yeah, then that. you can kind of think I carry on and, but uh, yeah, no, that's the goal, right? Like everyone's got their own preferences and uh, ideally, you know, collectively as breweries, we're kind of filling all those needs. Yes. Yeah. That's a good point. Actually. I mean, look, everyone has a different, I don't like day drinking. So it's, um, but I can understand if you were to day drink and you want to kind of keep it pretty chill, then maybe a two or 3% percent would, uh, would, would be the perfect thing. But yeah, it is pretty cool that it is, um, that all these options are available. Have you guys looked at or considered um, doing, whether it's complete NA or like extremely low ABV stuff at all, or is that not really in the vision as yet? We haven't really talked about it. I, I don't, I wouldn't say never, but we don't have it in our plans to do non-alcohol. Okay. Uh, 
definitely low alcohol though. Like we, uh, we've, we've gone as low as we've done, a, you know, a bunch of 4% stuff. Uh, I would like to do like a two and a half, probably, probably 3%, um, would be a, a nice sweet spot to be for, for some, you know, light loggers and things of that nature. Uh, so I'd, I'd say certainly this summer we'll, we'll toy around with that. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully get something that, you know, is still, uh, you know, still well-rounded and balanced and flavorful, uh, at, at that lower ABV, uh, whether it be, you know, a table beer, or like a light, you know, pills or something of that nature. Mm. Have you had a lot of, um, like requests? Like are, are people asking for this stuff or this is more just trying to serve a market or serve a niche that you know exists that maybe hasn't like knocked on the door asking for a type of thing? We, we definitely get requests. It's not overwhelming. Like I think like the way the, uh, you know, the industry is going with the amount of it that's coming out now, it does like we haven't had in my mind that level of demand for it. Okay. Uh, but there's obviously, there obviously is a really big demand for it because you have all these breweries that are doing really well with it. Uh, that hasn't in, in my mind been, you know, from our audience, but there, there definitely is a demand for it. And again, like with, with being, you know, having the kitchen program that we do, it, it makes more sense for us than it, it does for probably a lot of breweries. Uh, because we have like we're open seven days a week. We're opening at noon. We have people there all day. Hmm. Uh, so if you're coming over on a you know on a on a lunch, you know midway through a work day or whatever, uh, we get a lot of young families in. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it makes a lot of sense for us. And again, it's just one of those things that I really like right now. Or we really like right now. So uh, we've got you know an interest in, in kind of diving into that a little bit, but definitely the, the low alcohol game, not the no alcohol game for the, for the time being. Gotcha. That makes sense. Particularly the lunch thing. That's a good point. I even thinking when I worked a, a full-time job, like, you know, if you snuck out for lunch somewhere and went to grab a beer, it would have been pretty optimal to have a, a 3% as opposed to even yeah. just like the standard 5% just cause you got to come back to the office and not look lit. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Dope. That's great, man. That's pretty cool. Like I, I always forget that like breweries would get that lunch crowd. And I guess once again, like, do, do you think people see you guys mostly as? I mean, I guess it depends who you ask. But like, as a um, or maybe maybe a better question is, what sort of percentage of people see you as a brewery versus see you as a restaurant? Primarily, like you said, some people just come through like, oh, you make beer, sweet. I'm gonna get that with my food type of thing. Yeah, I'd, I'd say we're seen as a brewery, and that was, you know, pretty specific from, you know, when you come in, we've got the production space, like, feet away from the bar. Uh, it's pretty hard to come in and not feel like a brewery, and we we really wanted that to be the case. Uh, okay. It's a hard balance, like, when you have, you know, more of an elevated food program. Uh, so I'd say people definitely know us as a brewery, but they also know where our food program's at, too. Uh when we first opened, we did counter service in that, like everything had to be ordered at the counter. So if you're coming in, you're getting food, you had to order that at the bar, you had to order your drink at the bar, you'd take your beer back to your table and we'd run your food out to your table when it was ready kind of thing. Uh, and that was very strategic too. Like we really wanted to have that brewery experience, which for me is ordering at the bar, uh, you know, you're, you're getting up, you're, you're moving around, you're being social. Like you're not just, 
being sat at your table, sitting down for an hour, talking only to the person across from you, getting them leaving. We wanted to have a, a brewery experience with, you know, the food. Uh, and that worked really well for that first year. And, and we had a little bit of pushback, just people that didn't understand it, didn't want it, like they wanted to be served. And we're like, no, you got to come to the bar and that's, that's the way it is here. Uh, but then when, when COVID set in, we, there was no work. Like we, we tried to kind of keep that concept and it just didn't work with people, keeping people separated and such. So, right. um, we've gone to a, a table service style, uh, just because we, we had about a year before COVID almost exactly a year. Uh, but we're, we got a fourth anniversary approaching. So we've now had three years of, you know, post pandemic of different style of service. So most of our customers kind of know us, you know, not as we're intended to be necessarily. Right. Um, but yeah, no, the, in terms of yeah, to, to get back to the question, like, yeah, like it, it, I'd say, yeah, def, definitely known, uh, as a, as a brewery, but, uh, a lot, a lot of people do come for the food or at least very aware of, you know, where the food program's at. Like that's, I think, especially being in, in the area that it's what sets us, it sets us apart at least as much as our beer, if, if not more. Okay. Would you ever go back to that original pre-pandemic style of service or is it kind of too late now? Yeah, no, I, I would absolutely love to. We talk about it all the time. Uh, I think that the, I don't think we will. Uh, when we looked into this or when, when we were first planning the brewery, we, we talked to a lot of other breweries that are doing similar styles, like someone like, like Merritt uh, in Hamilton or, you know, resurgence just over the border. Uh, and, and, breweries out west that we used to chat like out west they largely have uh you know food trucks uh they don't actually have a kitchen there but gotcha. um generally speaking the breweries that we we're kind of modeling ourselves after had you know like a 25 to 75 percent food to beer ratio and in, in that most people are there to drink beer and they might eat kind of thing uh whereas we've always been like much more of like a 50 50 if anything, like 55, 45 of people eating to, to drinking, like from a dollar's perspective. Wow. So it was kind of a flawed concept to begin with, just in that so many people were there. So we'd get 12 people come in and they're all eating. So they all have to line up at the bar, order one by one. Uh, and, and people like, I think people really enjoyed it. And, but it was, it, it was, you know, onerous on, on the bar to be able to do it that way. And we'd get stacked up lines at the bar and, uh, but it worked and we definitely, we definitely would have stuck with it, but it, it was a little, just because we do so much food, it was a, a little bit of a flawed concept. So I don't think we'll, we'll, we will go back to it, even though it'd be really nice to, uh, but we found a nice balance now. Like we, we still keep our, our service really casual. Like we've got, uh, you know, our, our kind of workaround for, we didn't want to have a traditional food service where your server's coming in and, you know, introduce themselves at whatever. And I'm going to be your server today. And, coming and bugging you every 10 minutes, whether you want to top up or can I help you with anything? So we have like a flag system at the brewery. So basically like we completely leave you alone. If you turn your flag up, that means you want something and we'll come over. Uh, so we've tried to like go to table service, but keep it a little bit more casual. Uh, certainly took a bit to work out the kinks in that. Like when we did our hiring, we had no intentions of ever doing table service. So we didn't hire servers that had a bunch of table, you know, that, style of you know experience so this didn't matter but so it took us a little bit to figure out but our, our team is awesome you know in that transition and you know we we got there and we've, we've got that nailed down now and 
people now know what to expect when they come and uh yeah it's working well i, I still miss counter service but it's it, it works interesting the flag thing sounds cool but i feel you though i can imagine like yeah if oh, I, I, I guess it's probably a little tough to have a blend service or some sort of like hybrid service where like, Hey, if you're a party of 12, then we'll, you'll do, we'll get stable. And if you've got anything less then you go up to the bar type of thing, it's probably just easy. I like that though, man, because it is kind of annoying in a, in a place where you're going that is expected to be a little more chill. You, like not that it's like a problem to get like bothered by a server who wants to, to see if you're good, but, you're at a brewery you kind of you're used to being left alone and you have to get up to go and get what you need so i see what you mean that's like that sounds like a pretty good solution for the for the situation i like that yeah it's really smart this is making me hungry for real um yeah really <laughs> what sort of um to make it worse what sort of uh like could you describe the type of food like i was just checking the um even just when i was looking at on, on google maps like the uh uh, what am I calling the, the the photos that are attached to the the Google thing? Um, I'm seeing a lot of like there was like it looked like uh, chicken, like fried chicken and stuff like that. Like uh, like it sounds like it'll be pretty pretty high quality though. Like it looked like elevated beer fair is what I was getting from the the images here. I mean, if you want to expand on that a little, yeah, I'd say it ranges from yeah elevated beer food to you know just really high end dishes like somewhere in because we do things that are just, you know, completely outside of what you'd expect to have a brewery. But then we do have those, those classics as well. Uh, okay. But it, it, it cut like everything has a certain, you know, or a really high degree of quality. Everything's completely scratch made, very, very labor intensive. Uh, you know, using a lot of local ingredients, working with local farmers for, you know, protein and produce. And uh, yeah, we our, our core menu has it's you know it has the chicken sandwiches and the burgers and uh things of that nature but when we get to our our, our feature board uh that's where we get to kind of play around and do so kind of whatever seasonal whatever we can get our hands on uh a lot of times we're doing like a handmade pasta or something that's like tremendously labor intensive like often we're only doing 20 plates of it or whatever and it, it sells out when it sells out and sometimes things are around for just for the evening uh yeah, I'm looking uh, yeah. on Instagram here, and I'm like, and I'm seeing a panko crusted chicken katsu, and like, and that looks dope. Yeah, look at that. yeah, just yeah, I did that today. Uh, yeah, so it's yeah, and still like it's 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 approachable. It's still you know kind of comfort food, like, but it's it's yeah, it's elevated. It's it's a little more it, you know it, we're pretty eclectic too, like dancing around between all sorts of different ethnicities from uh. uh you know, from a food standpoint. So, uh, yeah, there's, there, there's like we, in general, like there's a, a theme of, of trying to have food that pairs well with beer. Like that's a, you know, an underlying constant theme, but you can take that in a million different directions, which our kitchen definitely does. Oh yeah. Do you, um, do you get a lot of the, like a lot of, um, do, do you find that people are typically going for like the core, like the core menu stuff, like the chicken sandwiches and the burgers, or do you uh, like, or do you get um, more like more people going, like going for the uh, like kind of the less expected 
fair for like for a brewery? Uh, well, a chicken sandwich is far and away number one. Burgers number two for sure. Mm. Uh, but there's there's a, a huge percentage that's feature driven too of kind of whatever new thing we're doing. So uh, yeah, I'd say we have a nice a nice balance. Like you want to have your your core items, you want those to sell well, and you know again when you're getting everything. Like, for example, for chickens, like we're getting in whole chickens, we're breaking them down and you need to know, you know, how many breasts you have, how much, like how much white meat, how much dark meat, how much like, so you need, you need to move things in different ways. So it's nice to have certain items that, you know, sell with a certain level of predictability. And then the other parts of the bird you're using in, you know, various feature items. So, uh, yeah, the core items are core items for a reason. And, you know, we, we sell a bunch of those, but we're, we've always been impressed with, you know, the trust that customers have put into us to kind of just try whatever, whatever we're putting out, which is, which is cool. That is really cool. Yeah. I just like, I see what you mean though. I was just cruising through the Instagram while we were talking there as well. And it's like, it does seem like a real nice mix and some stuff that kind of looks like, Oh shit, that's fancy. And then some stuff like what you would expect. So it just seems like, uh, just like kind of with the beer menus that the food kind of has something for every palate and it, and it, actually kind of seemed more surprising that you've got such elevated food at a brewery i don't recall ever seeing that um which i think is just cool i guess that really makes you guys stand out whether it's in the region and beyond yeah it'd be really hard to do without you know for for us without having joe like if i like when i initially thought about doing uh or when i was planning to do a brewery i thought a food component would be important but if it, if it was me, like I would have done, you know, a flat top and some tacos and that would have been it because it's a whole other world. And especially these days, but even back then, like trying to, if you want to do a really elevated food program, like being able to staff that and run that, uh, it's, it's a whole other animal. And if you don't have yeah. the talent to be able to do it, you just can't do it. So like we've had, we've had Joe at kind of the, he's a constant, he's always, always there and he's, he builds his team out. Um, yeah, for, for breweries that try to do it, if you don't have that within your ownership group, uh, it strikes me as a very hard thing to do. And, and more often than not, mm. especially here, you see a lot of, uh, breweries that'll kind of outsource that. So they'll have a, it'll be whatever brewery with whatever kitchen kind of operating mm. within that brewery Yes. and having worked at breweries like that in the past, like I, I, I when, when I was in my early stages of business planning, I, I, you know, worked at local breweries uh it's it's a tricky paradigm to kind of pull that off and have your teams kind of when it's two different entities working uh together like that it's it's a tricky it's a tricky thing to pull off and uh from my experience the kitchen and the brewery ownership often doesn't work out and it, it rotates what kitchen is there uh so for us it's been yeah, it's kind of built into you know our core and uh you know it's it's something i'm, I'm very grateful to to have Joe and he does all, you know, that side and, and I concentrate on my side and then we just focus on, you know, making it, making it cohesive. Hmm. That's a really good point. I was just sort of thinking of a few examples of breweries I know had sort of switched out kitchens over, over time. And I was just picturing, like even imagine the brewery staff who work for the brewery, if the kitchen messes up or if something's late or if they have to kind of do it, it's like you kind of can't like treat because it's sort of like an external, like they're your colleagues, but they're, also separate so you can't maybe like not that you're going to yell at anybody but like maybe you couldn't talk to people 
I've worked in restaurants and bars and stuff and I've walked out in the middle of the shifts because it's not my fucking thing at all. It's horrible. <laughs> I don't like it. I'm not built for it, but I can absolutely understand the way that people, you know, it's like you don't have time to sort of be nice. Like you just like get me this now type of thing. And I imagine sure. that we're like maybe that's not well the places i worked at it was mostly like that and i never took it well i did take it disrespectfully but i know it's not intended that way it's just the nature of the business when it's very fast paced you've got people waiting and every kind of minute counts um when you're trying to encourage something to be done faster and they're not your direct like you know the people who are getting paid they're not they don't work for the same people you work for and stuff it might make that weird or awkward or something or you know what i mean I, is that was that type yeah, of sure. is that am i reading that situation right that that's how it sometimes probably could be yeah for sure no if you've been in a in a service before and at a, at a busy place uh yeah like when you get home and like it's 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 tense like everyone needs to be kind of on their game and if if there's any kind of disconnect or you're not truly on the same team which is hard to feel that way when you literally have two different teams working under the same roof and not oh, to say yeah. like some some people some people probably do that magnificently like so i don't, I don't want to exactly you know, uh but but for for us anyways like the fact that we're all we're all on the same team we're all the same you know we're all all kind of counterpart the ability to work together in those moments to me seems easier versus the experience that i've had where that's not necessarily the case and there's yeah to, to your point like if you know, the, the kitchen executes perfectly and then the service team mm. screws that up when it's two different teams, then it, it even got like confusing in terms of like, how do we then compensate that customer? Do we give them a free beer or do we discount the food or like, it just gets dicey and confusing. Um, so yeah, for, for us, it's just, it, it's allowed us to, you know, to just have a common goal of, you know, serving that customer to the very best of our abilities. If there's a mistake made, it doesn't really matter who made it. Uh, we're going to make up for it. And, uh, yeah, it's it's worked really real for really really well for us. I couldn't imagine doing it any other way, but other other you know breweries, restaurants, they they you know I'm sure they pulled off in their own way. But for us, it's definitely uh you know we're we're happy with with what we've kind of come up with here. I love that. I, I know I can't stop thinking about that. That's fascinating. Mm -hmm. And even just I love business. I own a business, so it's like to me that's crazy. And even just like if someone if the server messes up with the food, but the food was done right, who compensates? I like. That is such a fantastic question, and I, maybe that could be why they just rock with food trucks because they're like the food truck. They order it, they stand there, they wait. The food truck serves them. The brewery has nothing to do with it. So, I maybe it's sort of like when you bring the kitchen in, and there's different um, businesses sort of separate running, and it start. That's when it gets maybe more convoluted on the inside like that. So, interesting. Yeah, and, and and there's that point uh, like on where the clarity is for the customer too, because in the like in those places where uh, where like the kitchen is a separate restaurant that's been integrated like into the brewery. At the like at the end of the day, with like when the customer is being served, usually by brewery staff, you know they don't know that it's a they don't necessarily have uh, like the same kind of clarity on the fact that like the food and the beer are two separate, like are two separate entities. If they mm. like, if something comes out wrong, all they know is that the person who brought it out, brought like brought them the wrong food. And, you know, if they're like, if they end up getting pissed at someone, um, you know, they, they like the server might end up taking the brunt of that. It's certainly, 
And for for those cases where it's not one of those clean cut things where it's one business working as part of the same team, it would certainly be easier if you had a food truck where there's a little bit more clarity to the customer of, you know, if I'm getting my beer here and I'm getting my food here, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the case like at in Vancouver, in that area, like it's a food truck driven thing out there. Like no breweries or very, very few had kind of their own food program. So that was, that's what I was used to. Um, and yeah, that works really, really well. And it's, it's neat that, you know, as a brewery, you can rotate out your kitchen every night and people are going to go there because that food truck is there. And that was, mm. that was really cool. But the, the food truck scene doesn't really exist to the same degree here. Certainly not in the Niagara region, mm. uh, you know, to that degree. Uh, and and most breweries do have a kitchen in the Niagara area, some sort of kitchen element. Like there's an expectation for that, which is not not true at West in a lot of places in, in you know, the US and places I've traveled as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, when I when I moved home uh, and started business planning, I, I hadn't worked in, you know, hospitality industries, you know, since you know, my university days in the early twenties. Uh, so I, I made a point of kind of getting out there and, and working a little bit at local breweries just so I could get a you know feel for the the hospitality side and mm. you know what what we'd be trying to do when, when we got there and yeah that was we already knew what we were doing from a kitchen perspective so i i knew you know that wouldn't really necessarily be an issue for us but it's really reinforcing to see some of the issues that, that can exist in that in yeah. that dynamic uh so it made us you know you know feel, feel a little it, it, you know it felt felt good and you know about what we we're doing uh because it, it, it can be problematic. It doesn't have to be, but it can be. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I love it. This is a fascinating combo. It's beer time, isn't it, Nate? It is, the, it is beer time. You're reading my mind. I could tell. Uh, Soul? That's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So, oh, I already, I already spoiled it. I was going to wait for Nate. Next one up is Soul to Squeeze, 6.5% IPA. We're in the single IPA region right now. This is this is, this is my little favorite zone. Which glass are we gonna go to? Right. Which is uh, Greg? Which is the best beer for the glass? Would you say? Which I love this type of glass, by the way. I would this say ho- I would say hoppy beers. Hoppy beers. Okay. Yeah, I'd, I'd then, say like more. I'd say more when you get into like like that's a double. It's for our, our, our double IPA rhythm. Uh, that particular glass. Oh, it is too. Uh, oh, perfect. We'll wait for that. Yeah. So it's it's all up to you. But for me, like that's a metric double IPA. Okay, it's up to you, guys. God damn it. So um, actually, no. You know what we'll do? We're going to take a sip first, and then we can uh, then we can take our damn photos and, and not be so distracted. Oof, mate, this looks glorious. I was just checking out. I was yeah, getting super does. excited about all the beers just while I was looking at the food on the Instagram. I was looking at the beers. And I was like, oh, shit. I'm loving the um, sort of like the, for lack of a better word, like milkiness of everything. Like everything yep. just has like really great, uh, what's the word? Turbidity? Is that the word? It's yeah, I think so. want that, want yeah. that, that, den- that dense haze for sure. Which is uh, uh, which is glorious. First of all, oh just man, before we get that, to it, the nose the, the nose on this one is driving me crazy. Yeah, let's get into it. This is right. Cheers, cheers, guys. Oh yes, my goodness. Mm. 
Whoa. Wow. Jesus. Yeah, that, um, yeah, that is lovely. That is glorious. I, knew, I mean, I knew shit was going to be good, but fuck no. Um, this has, oh, that's Nelson uh, Idaho 7, which is, funnily enough, mine and Nate's favorite hop, and Enigma. What a great combo. Tell us, tell yeah, us this one, great. Yeah, for, for hop combos, in my opinion, it seems like kind of an unorthodox pairing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like Nelson like, and Idaho? I don't know if I've ever seen that before. I don't think I have either. Uh, from a flavor perspective, like felt felt comfortable that I was going to work, but I, I'm just not sure I've seen that hop combination before. Uh, Almost guaranteed, no. But yeah, very, very tropical, like it's a tropical-driven kind of flavor profile. Yes. But uh, that Enigma provides like a nice kind of dank, uh, you know, uh, foundation for it. And, uh, yeah, like with all of our hoppy beers, we go very, very aggressive on the dry hop. So, uh, you know, big aromatics, big, uh, you know, always, always going, always going for fruit, fruit forward flavor profiles. Mm -hmm. Uh, but if you can get in, if you can get in, you know, some, some other qualities, like whether it be dankness or, uh, and, and kind of round it out and add a little bit complex complexity, uh, it's kind of what we're going for. So yeah, I, I was pretty pumped with how this one came out. Hell yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Dank, and I was really, really getting that on the nose, and it um, and it came through quite a bit, uh, quite a bit on the palate as well. And the uh, the texture on this is just lovely. It's it's so so smooth. I'm starting to worry about these podcasts now because uh, I have a problem controlling myself sometimes with the beers, and uh, <laughs> I felt like I was doing okay so far. And now I'm like. Well, I guess I can always yeah. drink it after. But still, I'm going to be chugging this. This is fantastic. Um, yeah, man. The Is this the first time you've done this one? Yeah. Yeah. yeah? First time. Okay. Um, I really like the name too, by the way. Where'd that come from? Uh, we do a lot of uh, song-inspired names. So this okay. is Red Hot Chili Peppers. Wow. Uh but not all of them, but, but we did, a lot of them are, are song inspired. We bounce around from, you know, different genres. Uh, but that, yeah, that's, that's mm -hmm. what drives a certain portion of our names for sure. Okay. Any, uh, any faves that you've had that you really like? From a name perspective or from yeah. a, from a name? Uh, no, I like I, I've got, yeah, I don't know. Um, you don't have to answer. It was just like I just like this one a lot. Yeah, like we we did a did a double IPA called Kings Never Die. Sick not man. too too long ago, I thought it was just a cool name. We did like a lion on it for the uh, for the label, and uh, yeah, so like the I, th I think there's a lot of cool names to be pulled from music. The the harder part often is coming up with the imagery to to pair with it. Some of them are, you know, pretty obvious, and you have something something cool to attach to it in this case like this is one where like I, I do the the branding side and uh my tattoo artist shane uh he does our artwork he's he's the best and and my Amazing. buddy matt does does mm. our does our graphic design so uh the dynamic between us is like i, I kind of come up with the names and then the ideas i i send my ideas to like whether it be a sketch of mine or something i found online to to shane he makes it look a lot better and then we take that to Matt, who's uh, our graphic designer, and then we start adding color and you know 
text and, you know, that's kind of the way it goes. But, uh, yeah, with this particular one, I had the name for a long time. I just didn't have a particularly good idea for the imagery to go along with it. So, uh, yeah, some of them come really easily. Others are a little more of a struggle, but, uh, yeah, we pull, pull a lot of our names from, from music for sure. I like that. That's really cool, man. Um, this beer is, is fantastic. I mean, obviously you're getting the, uh, like now we've got the branding side, the, the tasting and stuff. I'm getting a lot of, um, obviously from Nelson, like this little white grape wine type of notes, some like melon, definitely a lot of citrus. Um, I feel like there's a little bit of like, um, like pithy. It's not quite bitter. It's like just pithiness, I guess. Excuse me. Um, obviously dank, which is fantastic. The touch earthy and maybe maybe not. I wrote herbal, but I'm actually thinking probably more grassy on this one. I don't know if you guys had any thoughts. Um, like, well, what I'm the thing that I'm finding uh, like noteworthy, like it's it, like, it's quite full flavored up front, but it like, like but it really finishes quite clean and dry. Um, mm. I don't I, I, I don't know if that's just me, but I like, and, and that's also just something I find pretty common, like pretty common with Nelson is like is a dry finish. Do you think I'm? Uh, am I reading that right? Is that kind of like is that kind of how you would uh, like how you would describe this one, Greg? Yeah, no, I don't think that's off base at all. Uh, especially in our, our six point five percent, you know, that's where IPAs we tend to kind of stick there these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we want a certain drinkability, so. Uh, we're not going for something, you know, something super sweet. So there's, if, if you can have it with a, you know, dryness to it where you want another sip, that's, that's a good thing. Um, yep. yeah, like I, I do find Idaho seven gives, uh, like some of those citrus kind of, kind of pithy qualities as well. Uh, Enigma, like in this case, it's, I think a fifth of our dry hop charge. Uh, which is all that dankness, really. Uh, mm. If you use it too heavily, Enigma, like you can get more into the you know green onion, garlicky kind of category. Uh, but if you keep it kind of as a you know a lower percentage, I think it just yeah gives a nice layer of, of dankness, and and it's it's pretty fruity too. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I think the, I think the balance worked out worked out pretty well here. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, particularly being like a like a first time, how was the response to this one? I guess this only must have come out in, I think it was canned like a week ago. Super yeah, it was, it was last week. Yeah, last, it was, it was a week ago. We dropped it last Friday. Um, um, how'd it go? People were pretty stoked. Dang, that's fresh. Yeah, like, like so far the response has been good. Like you, from our from our locals, you know, the people we chat with all the time, um, they all have their own, own favorites. Some of them align with my favorites, some of them don't. Uh, but it takes a little bit, like, because a lot of them are kind of going out into the world where they're going to, you know, online orders or, or licensees and such. So it always takes a little bit to kind of really see where, where people are at. Yeah. Uh, but for me personally, I really like it. Generally speaking, the people that I've sp- spoken to so far, they're they, like, it, it is one of the more, I'd, I'd say, unique IPAs we've done from a flavor profile perspective. Uh, but it, but it works too. But I can see a little, I can see it being a little more you know, polarizing in terms of some people liking it, some people not liking it, just because it is, it's, it's a different hot profile, but I, I really like it. I guess I can see that too. Cause I'm, I like it so much. I was like, what are you talking about? But I'm like, yeah, I guess you're right. Like it is kind of, uh, it's got a few of those elements that maybe you just like it or you don't like you said from the, it's, it's mainly dankness. It's, ma- it's mainly dankness for me that it, it's, it's got a pronounced dank quality to it, which mm, some people it does love. for sure. I don't know, yeah. Other people not so much. 
Yeah, we're both big fans of West Coast IPA, so um, I can imagine those that may be uh, sort of more into the New Englands because of the lack of those elements, like the dankness and the any sort of piney vibes, um, probably wouldn't love it as much. But I don't know. I find it interesting in a world of, you know, we all drink haze all the time, and it's you know mostly relatively in the same type of ballpark it's kind of cool to have something that's like well that's different like you know while still retaining a lot of the things that you love about it like the mouthfeel and the, the visuals and all that type of stuff yeah that's yeah awesome. unlike west coast ipas like you certainly wouldn't want you know dankness or or pine or resinous or any of these qualities to be your driving flavor yes uh but as as a nuance uh as long as like yeah like if we want a very very fruit forward uh hot profile pretty much all the time. Uh, but if you can add, you know, layers of, of, uh, you know, to that, I think that works really well. Hell yeah. You guys ever do West coasts? Uh, we've done, we've done it one time. Uh, we, we will, we will play around with it. Like I really am just not a big fan of the style. Like I, I do like where it's, and, and I, I like, that's what got me into craft beer. It was West coast IPAs. Uh, like I remember going down for the first time to to Portland and like we were on a, on a brewery tour and the, the guide is saying, you know, we're going to Breakside Brewery next and they've got this 130 IBU IPA. And like, that's all, you're just chasing IBUs. Like that was, that was you know, if it didn't <laughs> it was have, the style of the time. <laughs> yeah. If it didn't have 70 IBUs in it, like it was a waste of my time. I didn't want to try it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm less, I'm less interested in the style. I do like kind of the new age West coast IPA, like where it is more, it has a lot of the good qualities and less of the other things I, I don't like, but they aren't as bitter. They're more dry hot focused. So they're kind of like a, a night, like the, the new age West coast IPA has got a really nice uh, balance to it. I still just genuinely prefer hazy IPAs. Yeah. Uh, in my experience, like in our limited experience, uh, West or West coast IPAs still sell, a little bit lesser, uh, you know, if you care about untapped ratings and, and such, they, they rate a little bit lesser yeah. because I don't really like them that much. Or like as a team, we don't know what, what we're super interested in brewing. There's, there's just not a lot of incentive to, you know, do a ton of it anyways, but it, but it is something we, we will, we'll, we'll do more of. Like we, we have that kind of in our plans uh, just because we want to see kind of what we've got in that category and, 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 you know, Try, try to perfect that ourselves too. That makes sense. And I really, you've, you've actually kind of mentioned that um, a few times this evening. And I think it's an important thing to note that you guys brew what you and the team like. And Nate could probably echo it. And I bet you could too from your experience going to breweries from the people that you know. I always find the breweries who brew what the team likes, whether it's like if there's a head brewer or a team of people who are making these decisions, those are the brewers who just make the best beers of whatever they decide to make because they like it. And I just like, I think that's an important thing because sometimes you're like, okay, well, you know, that, and I don't see this happen as much lately, but you know how, like, you know, we were talking earlier about when Hayes was starting to kick off, you know, like late 2016, early 2017 out here. And um, a lot of breweries like just fronted on it for years. And then all of a sudden, maybe in 2020, they did their first one and it was super reluctant. Or maybe it was not that late, maybe like whatever, a year or two before that. But you can just tell you have someone there here, this is our New England IPA. And it like, it's usually not, not the greatest thing in the world. And it's like, you can tell that the brewery kind of like, you know, just 
did it because they thought they had to do it, but they went into it, but they thought they had to because that's what people want. So I think for sure. I've had that a lot in multiple styles, mostly in Haze, but I think it's important that um, you guys stick to your guns and like, hey, man, this is what we're about. If you don't like West Coast, then like, you shouldn't be, you know, feel like you have to make that stuff. I, like you said, and I, I have, hell yeah, they would sell less. They're very few and far between um, across the board. Like, I don't know. But when you get a good one, they are really good. But it's cool that you guys are just sort of like sticking to it. Like maybe eventually you might try one. And you're like, yo, I'd like to do something like this. And maybe you guys will do it um, internally because you all enjoyed that beer. And then what you make will be extra fire because you're really into it as opposed to kind of just, I don't know, should we add one? We probably should. Everyone else is doing that type of uh, approach, you know? Yeah, for sure. No, yeah, we, we do try to wait. Like we're very aware of, of, you know, trends. It'd be silly not to be, but we do try to wait until we're personally excited to do it. Uh I do have like a huge amount of nostalgia kind of with the style, like right. fat tug IPA. I don't know if you oh, uh, yeah. aware Drift, of that. Uh, like, yeah, yeah. Like that's, that's, you know, the beer, uh, you know, the quintessential beer from out West. Like that's kind of, you know, what, what has hooked so many people out there on, on, you know, craft beer in general. So uh, there's that aspect to it that I, I like. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into it, but yeah, I think regardless of what you're doing, uh, if you're genuinely interested in it, you're, you're going to do it a lot better. Like it's, it's going to be a lot easier to be excited about it. And especially when it comes to something in this realm, like, you know, when you're trying to develop flavor profiles and things of that nature, it's, it's a lot easier to, to do that based on what you want versus what you're thinking people might want out of it. Uh, mm. Like if you can just try it and be like, I, I love this. I don't like it. I want to change this about it. If you're doing that, based on your own perception of it, your own interest in it versus, yeah, like, well, I think people are going to want this to be more this or that. It's, it's just much harder, you know, thing to, thing to take on. And that's true in, in anything. Uh, hmm. So, yeah, I, I think you do need to be aware of trends. You do still need to sell the thing at the end of the day. Uh, but you're, you're, you're putting your, you're setting yourself up for success if you're doing something that you enjoy or focusing on categories that you enjoy. Hmm. Yeah, man. That's a, a good way to put it, um, that you're like, yeah, I can, I can just sort of see, like, obviously you mentioned with the, with the trends, like, you know, something like smoothie sours, like whatever, like, you know, that's pro is that something you guys have ever done by the way? Smoothie sours? Yeah. We, we've got a, a series called zombie. Uh, okay. and we do, it's, it's kind of like, uh, we do zombie, which is blends of different fruits. And then we do a zombie surprise, which is like there's a dessert inspired versions of that. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's the same deal. Like I, I drink very little of them. Like I'm not going home and crushing a bunch of them, but I really enjoy them, uh, and enough to to you know certainly contribute on that you know for what we're going for and, and you know largely be the when it comes to smoothie sours. Like I I, I do the uh, the brew schedule at at you know for us. So if we're putting out a, a smoothie sour, I'm going to come up with the flavor profile, and then we're going to work as a team to decide like what's our ratio going to be? How do we get, like, if we're doing something weird, how do we get that flavor into that beer? How do we get that adjunct into that beer? Hmm. Um, so it's like hugely a team effort, but it's like, I'm usually the, the, the one at the start anyways, deciding like, this is kind of what we're going to do uh, stylistically. Um, so yeah, like not a beer, not a category that I drink a ton of, but I make a point of 
trying enough of them from the right breweries, you know, so I have a very good idea of kind of what's going on. And, uh, I love a third of a smoothie sour. I'm not going to drink, you know, five <laughs> of them in a night, but yeah, there is time and place and, you know, they're awesome for what they are. And the fact the people that can buy a case of them and, 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 you know, take care of them quickly, like good for them. Uh, but as long as, uh, you know, anything we're doing, as long as, you know, we have enough knowledge about it to appreciate it and do it well, whether it's what we personally drink a ton of or not, uh, matters a little bit less, as long as we have a genuine, you know, appreciation for it and, and know what we're going for and, and, and can get, can get excited about it too. Hmm. Yeah, that's dope. I know what you mean. Like smoothie, I don't know if anyone's drinking five smoothie salads a night. That would be diabetes right there, mate. Like that's a. Uh, no, they they do. Like we've got yeah. every single like <laughs> yeah. Well, because we don't ship them. Like we don't ship smoothie sours. Uh, but we've got and and for obvious reasons. But they they generally do hold up just fine. Like especially this time of year, two days yeah. in the mail, they're they're going to be fine. So we've got a number of people that reach out via Instagram. You know, we know that you don't ship these, but will you ship them? And like, we've got, we've got people that'll get a case of every single one that we do. And like, Jesus. I don't know what you're doing with this, but like, God bless you. I like that you're, uh, <laughs> you know, you're going to take, you're going to take this down wow. and you know, I'll, uh, you know, I'll say, you know, if they, they might blow up. I don't think they will, but if you're, if you're okay with that, then, then yeah, like shoot me an e-transfer. I'll pay for it personally and send it out and away we go. Wow. Okay. A case of smoothies. All right, that, that kind of blew my mind a little bit. Like, uh, <laughs> I'm a big fan of them. I don't really have them too often, to be honest. Why don't we have them too often? I feel like there's not that many here compared to Quebec. Would you say that too, Nate? Like, there's like less smoothies here that are regularly available than. Yeah, I, I like. I would say that, and also probably even less now than there were six months to a year ago. It's not uh, yeah. I, like I feel like people are not as wild for them. Uh, like at least here in Ontario, at least here in Ontario, it's, I feel like it's kind of died down a little bit. I'm even thinking in Montreal, I feel like there's a bunch of breweries that really proactively do them and they're even starting to maybe destroy them locally a little bit. So I'm like, I think out there, there's just a bigger smoothie scene for whatever the reason it is. So that would probably make sense. And also, I don't know how much I really want them when it's minus whatever, you know, like it's kind of feels more like a summer thing. Yeah. It's more of a summer drink. Yeah. Interesting. I can't, I can't, I can't get over the people buying cases of them, man. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> like, like I, I just like, I always used to get stressed about them when I had them and like went really nuts, put them in the very front of the fridge. So I, they didn't ever get lost. Cause I didn't want to, I was always worried that they would go, well, not that they would explode because they're in the fridge, but just like drop and then they become gross type of thing. So I was never sure how long. So I guess like you said, if someone's buying a case, you must be crushing multiple of those bad boys a night, get through it in a couple of weeks. That's a, that's a lot of sugar. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I'd say too, I'd say it, it definitely has cooled down a little bit. Uh, but, but like, yeah, but there's still, there's still a really big market for it for sure. And Quebec like is, you know, my opinion, like the most American like beer scene in Canada, which I love, like I, I I love the Quebec 
beer scene, um, like the proximity of Vermont and all that, I'm sure has a big role in that. Yeah. Uh, but like, it's, yes, yeah, it's, it's a lot of the things in the U S like Swedish stars, they don't translate as well. It's just a different, different palette, different, you know, um, preferences in Canada, but the Quebec for me is the, yeah, it has the closest, you know, in terms of like the hype you can generate there among, amongst your audience and some of the styles that do well there that don't necessarily do as well elsewhere. Um, mm. I really, I really love the Quebec beer scene. I like that about it. That's such a fascinating comment. Mm. Cause I was like so vocal early on. Um, Nate knows where I'm going with this about Quebec. I used to piss me off, bro. Cause they would like, they refused to do haze. So when haze was popping and I got, I got like insanely obsessed and I think it was only because I couldn't get it really here. Ontario did it first. Quebec was very, very resistant. And the first brewery to, I mean, Boreal did the Nordest, but then like when Masorum opened in 20, I think it was summer 2018. Then I was like, thank you. This is exactly. And they were the first, um, what I would call American style um, brewery that did, you know, crispies, haze smoothies pastry like type of thing like that's their whole jam they've expanded since but that was their kind of premise and there's yep. a bunch of breweries like sir john and brewski and and so on and so forth would do things like that that oh like the sort of in quick succession were kind of started to do the same thing but it was like years of me always having to come here to get whether it's like going to bellwoods or like i can't even think off the top of my head now what else but um breweries like that and quebec just wouldn't do it and it was killing me and so it's actually really funny to hear in hindsight after all that that you're saying that they are the most american ones when it was it really really wasn't like that it was kind of like pulling teeth and you know people told them the they told me personally uh that other breweries like well-known established quebec ones were telling them that you're gonna fail man like there's no chance that you guys are going to make it here with the styles that you're doing nobody wants that stuff when that was very obviously short-sighted and, and missed the, the mark there, but they were um, people, I knew people in Quebec. I was, it always tripped me out because I'd see them check in on Untapped to the brand new foam Burlington Beer Co. Hill Farm said releases every weekend. I'm like, people were literally, because we couldn't get it there. I was always yeah. coming here a lot. So I was, I was able to get pretty satiated because I was able to come to Ontario. I went to Vermont relatively regularly, but not every weekend. And these dudes were going down. Imagine how much you're spending every weekend. And you probably get in a hotel too, like going down like Friday, Saturday night, just to catch all the new releases. Plus the 30% of American dollars all just to get all this stuff because they couldn't get it at home. Um, and then those people, uh, they still go, but obviously they're a lot more satiated at home now. So anyway, it's, yeah, an, interesting, it's, it's an interesting point. Yeah. And, and it, it, it definitely supports what we uh, like what we've seen there because something we've talked about with um um with our friend Noah who's the, the, the does uh beerism um like in our in our group chat we've often talked about how as a hype scene like you're saying Greg uh like Quebec kind of leapfrogged Ontario in that uh, like in yeah. that regard in kind of like in kind of how it's a hype beer scene like if you look at uh um, Brest, you do back Canada. Like, like if you go back to 2020, 
with their anniversary releases. That was one of those things of like, as soon as the site goes live in like three and a half minutes, it's sold out. And it, like, and if you like, if you know, you didn't have your credit card pre uh, like preloaded in your browser and you weren't like ready to go <laughs> as soon like as soon as launch, like you're done, like just finished. And if you like, and it would have been insane if to like, if we were to tell C from like 2017, like that that's what it's going to be like in three years. I would never have believed you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny how it went like that. Because I always thought Ontario, because it was um, culturally, I would argue, more closer to America than Quebec is, obviously. You know, you go to Toronto. Sometimes you go to parts of Toronto and I'm like, it just feels like I'm in the States. And this is someone who, like, I went there, goes there regularly, been there regularly, lived there. And now I'm pretty close to it and I go there pretty regularly, but it still feels American to me. So it's funny that the French province has become the American beer scene and here sort of, we have our moments here, I guess, but it's, I I think you're right. It's definitely like, uh, you both are right. Like it's become that, which is interesting. It's just a strange phenomenon how that's happened because it's could, because it started here. Like why didn't Ontario, keep that up or maybe just Quebec was so far behind they were like ah fuck and they just went crazy and just went nuts on everything I don't know yeah right. like it's, um, uh, it's oh sorry Greg go ahead oh just I was just gonna say like, like culturally obviously uh, Quebec is, is different from the rest of the country so there might be just something to that in terms of like um, mm. you know because a big part of what makes the US the US is just their from a beer perspective is the amount of hype and excitement and like the, the extent to which, you know, they can put these breweries up on a pedestal and uh, wait in line overnight for them. And it's, it's just a, it's just a different culture that exists there, right. uh, which is really hard to replicate here. And there might be just something about the, you know, the Quebec culture that lends itself well to that. But uh, yeah, there's probably like it, it, Quebec beer also it's, it's, it's more established than, anywhere else in Canada too. And you have that strong kind of Belgian tradition. So there probably was a bit of resistance in terms of moving to a more progressive uh, approach, but yeah. yeah, I think having like, like if you go to Hill Farmstead or a little bit less so these days, but if you went to Hill Farmstead five years ago, 80% of the plates were Quebec. Like it was heavily predominantly people coming down from Quebec and it's yeah. what, like an hour from, you know, Two Montreal to, to, to Burlington. Two hours. Yeah. Door to door. So, and well, you know, in Niagara Falls or in, in Ontario, like we're, we're bordering state too, or bordering, you know, city to the U S but like New York state historically has not been an overly progressive beer scene or Michigan or some of these other, uh, you know, bordering states, uh, is a little bit more like if you like with, um, you know, other half and Mortalis and some like, but you're driving three hours and these are new breweries, uh, mm. versus like, in, 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 you know, Vermont, like having, uh, Alchemist and Hill Farmstead and like, like some like truly, you know, top tier world-class breweries being right there. Uh, you know, I'm sure that influenced, I know it influenced, you know, the, the, the state of of beer in in Quebec in a big way. Yeah. hundred percent. That's actually a really good point. I just noticed the time. Should we go to the next one? Yeah. Let's keep it rolling. Um, can we Greg, do a can we do a quick piss as well, mate? Do it up. I, I probably need to go as well. So let, let's do like a, a an exchange system. 
you're up. All right, Rebecca. Beauty. Um, yeah, that's a really good point. This is all fascinating. And like I was saying earlier, like I'm going to upstate New York next weekend. My first time in, uh, I was supposed to go last weekend, but I was sick as fuck. Uh, first time in three years doing any sort of traveling outside of Canada. Um, mostly because I was one of my Canadian passports, like a whole ordeal as an Aussie. Like it's, it's super annoying. So I'm looking forward to being like, hello, sir. Boom. Like, all right, cheers. And then just fucking go. Just roll on through. Cannot wait. And we check. You we bring in the pup and you're allowed to bring the dog as long as he looks uh, looks healthy and stuff. And he's more than six months. And he hasn't been anywhere crazy, which he has not. But, um, yeah, we're going to go. Like a friend of mine is a brewer at Mortalis. So we're going to head down there. But it isn't like – I think it's like 50 or 55 minutes to the border from Hamilton. And then Buffalo is literally over the border, which is very interesting to me because – Burlington is like, it's 45 minutes or so to the border. And then you've still got to drive another hour or some shit into Burlington. Whereas here you literally cross the border and you're like, boom, in Buffalo. And I believe there's like 45 minutes to Rochester from there or something like that. Um, and then the brewery scene, I've been like mapping them out a little bit. Nothing's really seems to be more than 20, 30 minutes away, which is all pretty relatively convenient. I feel like before I would used to be in Montreal and be like, oh, it kind of sucks to be in on that side because there wasn't anything much in Buffalo and Rochester. But now it seems like it's a really like nuanced scene with a whole bunch of different stuff going on. Uh, whilst it is different, we're just talking about like traveling because I'm going next weekend to, um, to Rochester and Buffalo. And I was like, before, kind of like, oh, well, for one, just shits on it. But now I'm like, I don't know, man, there's, there's two other huffs. And like you said, Mortalis and and, um, and Fifth Frame and like Thin Man and Big Ditch and all this type of stuff out there. But like, I don't know, it seemed, I'm excited just to see what's popping in comparison, just because I haven't really um, experienced that uh, for a long time. So I'm, uh, I'm keen. Um, have you next? been to, uh, have you been to Frequentum in, I think it's, I think it's pronounced Frequentum in uh, Canadagua? No, where is that? It's uh, it's probably an hour from Rochester. It's probably twenty minutes from, uh, like like uh, other half. Okay, I put, I, mean, I, I, put I, I put that on your list. I'm literally they're doing they're that. They're awesome. I'm doing that as I type because I know, and so we're probably closer to Rochester, right? So, uh, well, Rochester's yeah, like Rochester's kind of your furthest west, and then as you move uh, further east, you're getting into. Um, I think Mortalis first, then other half, and then uh, Frequentum would be kind of your Fre- closest towards like Finger Lakes, towards Canandaigua Lake. Got it. So Frequent UM. Yeah, they're uh, okay. Uh, Frequentum EM UM, but they're 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 pretty new. Okay. Uh, they're they're awesome. They're 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 fantastic. All right. Really beautiful. cool space. Really cool space too. EM, you're right. Okay, perfect. Um, done. This is great, man, because I just had. I'm just excited to sort of see see what's going on uh, out here because it's uh, a whole different uh, situation. Um, I'll run and do my tinkle now. You guys can yap, and I'll be back in thirty seconds. All right. Yeah. So I think we're going to be cracking rhythm next. Um, yep. Which I see here. Okay, so this is straight up Citra and Galaxy. You want to give us a bit of an intro on this while we're waiting for C to get back? Yeah, this is uh, the 
up until recently, the only double IPA we brewed more than once. Okay. Uh, I think we, I think this is the fourth time we've done it. Um, we just did dream on for the second time, but I think that's the only other double IPA that we've done more than once. So, um, yeah. Uh, Citra, Citra galaxy started off as an even split. Um, Citra and galaxy through time, uh, we've been a little bit less happy with uh, the galaxy that we get, and that seems to be available. Uh, period. So we've, we've leaned it more towards uh, Citra, kind of through time. Uh, galaxy is just—it's a little bit inconsistent. It's not as fruity as it once was, so it's still a very nice hop in a in the appropriate combination. Like it still brings a lot of really really nice things to the table. Uh, but it works in our opinion better as an, an undercard at, at this point, like just adding, um, complementing kind of your primary hop, which in this case is Citra, which is for us, our, our favorite hop, most versatile. We use it all over the place. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So th- this beer has, uh, you know, special place, place in our hearts. Uh, it's become kind of our pre anniversary double IPA. So the last few years it's been our last release before our anniversary and then when our anniversary comes around when we're putting out all this all these different beers uh it's also available kind of through those festivities because it was the last beer that we did uh so uh yeah yeah i i I love this beer i think every time we do it it gets gets a little bit better and uh yeah interested interested to see what you guys think okay yeah that's uh, that's really interesting that you say that about uh, that you say that about galaxy and um I think like I think you now might be the third uh, the, the, like the third person that we've talked to who has said um, in the last year that uh, like that galaxy's been a little off. Um, the first one who said that was like was Troy from uh, like from Badlands who was saying that uh, he was disappointed with um, the, like with a recent stock of Galaxy, and I can't remember who else it was that said it. But this is um, like, this is. Be- this is becoming a bit of a theme that uh, like that galaxy's been off in um, in the past year. Um, which is, but which uh, one are we doing? Uh, so, so we're doing rhythm now. Oh, nice! The yeah. it's, it's not it's it's not off. It, it, it has, and I, I don't. I think it's more than a year too. It's been several years. It's just it bring. It's not what it was. It's a different hop right. now. It brings right. a different quality. So if you can harness it and use it appropriately, it still is is fantastic. It's just not your. You used to be able to do 100% Galaxy beers, and they were the best. Yeah, um, it's now you got to use that as as a portion of your mm-hmm. hop. Uh, like, and, and there's a lot of hops like that. Like a lot of hops aren't intended or don't work well as the star. There's a handful of hops that do. Mm-hmm. Um, Galaxy used to be one of those. Yeah, in my opinion, is not anymore. And yeah, we had uh, we had Troy by the breed yesterday. Ah. Yeah, yesterday, nice. and uh, so we we're we we're chatting like we we we're all chatting about Galaxy and a bunch bunch of other things. But yeah, I know I know I know Troy's feelings on on Galaxy as well. <laughs> it's it's interesting that you, you put it like that. That it's like it's not the same hop. It's really just about how you or oh, Nate dropped off. Maybe the uh, battery died. Um, but what? Why isn't it the same hop? Like, what's the reasoning behind that like you know is there any 
Like, did, like, what changed in Galaxy to make it, like, not to be the same? Yeah, like, like, like the drying, the kilning process has changed a lot through the years. Um, again, just speaking about this yesterday, and Troy is a, a wealth of information on all subjects. Uh, but he was kind of giving his two cents on it. And like, the one thing that's unique to, uh, about Australian hops in general is there's not really crops uh in terms of like you get you can go out and get or, or lots like where you can get you can go select tops you can go the, you know get go get the lot of citra that you really like a lot of mosaic like in, in australia they take all of whatever it is galaxy or big secret or whatever and they blend it all and that's just kind of what's available right. um so there's probably a certain degree of you know watering it down in terms of like there might have been really good hops in that there might have been some poor hops. You land somewhere in the middle. Uh, blending it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of things that you know play into that. But uh, yeah, at the end of the day, like when you drank an All Galaxy IPA in 2017, uh, it was ridiculously fruit forward. Um, all the fruits you want, and it's it's just not that anymore. But it, it again, like if you if you pair it with a, a hop that can kind of hold up to it and bring all those fruity qualities, and then use Galaxy as, uh, yeah, kind of kind of bringing some uh, some layers to it, 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 it works really well. But for us, when we use Galaxy at more than like a third, we we don't really like it. So mm, this is an example where you know it's four parts uh, Citra and, and two parts Galaxy. Okay. Well, on that note, may we cheers and get this in us. Cheers. Cheers, y'all. Oh my goodness. Damn. Oh, this one just dropped, eh? Oh, first February too. Yeah, yes. Yeah, uh, all three of those. Spill, Soul to Squeeze, Rhythm, all last Friday. Super fresh. Oh, man. So, like, yeah, the Galaxy and Citra. What was the percentage of Galaxy in this one? I, excuse me if you already said that. One, one third. Yeah, mm. so we did a uh, 30, 30 kilo dry hop, and it was ten, ten galaxy. So I'm and seeing, even at yes. uh, like, and even at one third, that still comes through quite punchy. Um, like man, the, 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 like galaxy certainly like still certainly has some legs. <laughs> like at even yeah. at, like at even one third, like that's really got like a really kind of uh, notable galaxy bite to us. For sure, yeah, it was something like. Sabro, for example, which is like the most dominating hop for me, uh, we'll often use that at like a one sixth, and it like Galaxy's kind of you know approaching that for me, like like just how how loud it is, uh, yeah. yeah, which is good, which is which is you know good if you really like it, uh, but I like to keep yeah we like to keep those hops a little bit um, you know at at bay and just let the you know, let them kind of be a little more subtle. Yeah. Oh man, this is this is crazy. The body on this is fantastic. Um, yeah. Big citrus notes. Um, again, I'm definitely seeing that as a as a consistency. This is also a fascinating thing of drinking a whole series of beers from the same brewery, and you sort of start to see those like patterns as far as like obviously the house yeast and things like that. They kind of like stick around and like 
the the, the flavor profiles that come from all, all this. Um, this is fantastic, man. Yeah, definitely tons of citrus. I only had a couple of sips, but tons of citrus. Wicked body. The body is insane, which is very yeah, we, consistent. We, yeah, that, that's something we, we pay a huge amount of attention to. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate that. That uh, they feel that way. Oh, man. This is like, I really feel like body seems to be arguably, I'm, I'd like to hear what you guys think, like the, the probably main a uh, separator of a quality New England IPA to otherwise, I would imagine. That's something that I, mean, it, I just, I feel like it's just such a key part of it all. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. To carry uh, the rest of what you're doing. If, if you don't have the, uh, the mouthfeel on point, it, 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 it detracts in a big way. So uh, yeah. there's a lot of things that, a lot of things that go into that. Uh, but yeah, if you have, if you have the, the flavor profile working with the, uh, you know, with the palate weight, uh, there's a synergy that happens there. And it's, uh, yeah, some, some that we pay a lot of attention to. Yeah, I can definitely see why. I mean, look, ranging from it, and it's been extra interesting going from like the 4.5, 6.5, and now 8.2. And they're all, like, you can see the consistency in the body. And obviously it ramps up. If it didn't, it would be weird. But it really does. It actually, it's almost like having this, while this is, like, exceptional, it's actually it gives a lot of uh, um, props to the to the lower ABV guys to be able to hold up next to this that you guys have really uh, I, I imagine that's something you guys have really worked on as far as the um, the bodies for the low ABV ones too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, with uh, with double IPAs, it takes care of itself to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, when you get into lower alcohol stuff, that's where you really gotta think about yeah how, how you gonna drive a little bit of. Uh, Mouthfield fullness into it uh, mm. because yeah, especially when you get into like four and a half percent, it's very and, and when you're being pretty aggressive with your hop usage, it's pretty easy to fall out of balance. Uh, versus with double IPAs, like you have a good amount of sweetness and uh, body as a result to kind of work with. Uh, takes care of itself to to a, to a certain degree. Yeah, I was gonna. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I mean, just based on the sheer volume of uh, grains and stuff. But um, no, this is and this is one. This looks like okay. That was what I was going to bring up. So I was about to ask you this at the first time. I know it's not because you've got a separate uh, thing for like rhythm twenty twenty. Excuse me, twenty twenty three in here, which I like. I know Badlands does that a lot, and I like that because. And it comes back to the galaxy conversation that whilst the hop, just like the wines, the wines, uh, you know, you have in the Cab Sab 20, in 2019 and 2020 and there's different seasons and growing seasons and things changes. It's an agricultural product, just like hops. And this one has galaxy and citra and the galaxy and citra uh, batches vary year on year. Oops, my, uh, let me oops, remove my other one. Oh, there's two of you. All right, I'm gonna sw- swap out the battery into me. I know, right? You can never get too much of me. I'm gonna change this out, but, but yeah, like just year on year. Um, you know, I imagine that it's uh, you know, it would change, so it's probably a I'd love to hear the reason for, for doing the, the year noted thing for, for a beer like this that you've done in the past. Yeah, as, as saying, uh, the so we haven't. When it comes to IPAs, double IPAs that we've done, there's very few of them we've done more than once. Uh, this is 
far and away that we've done the most times. I, I think it's the fourth time we've done it. Okay. Um, and yeah, like when you're doing it at most once a year, uh, not only are you victim to, you know, raw materials and, and how those are going to evolve through time, but also we're, we are actively evolving the beer too. Like the last time we did rhythm, the, the ratio of Citra to Galaxy was different. Our house yeast was different. Um, so we tried to, you know, keep for those that have had rhythm before and, and like that beer, we've tried to keep the things that they like about it consistent and in, in line with what they would expect. Uh, but we're, we're trying to improve it and we're trying to, and we're, we're changing things, you know, a fair amount enough that warrants, you know, putting that, you know, 2023, 2024 next to it because it, they, they will be different. Ideally they're getting better every year. Mm. Um, but yeah, things like our, you know, our pale flow, like if we do that three times a year, it doesn't make sense to call it batch one, batch two, batch three, whatever. Like they're, they're much more subtle differences. We're always trying to prove those two. Uh, but when it comes to, yeah, something like this, they, they do change quite a bit from year to year. So, uh, yeah, part of that's, uh, you know, appealing to people who are into untapped myself included that like to check in a new beer. You got that 2023 you can check in now. Uh, but also like, we're interested to see what you think of last year's versus this year's. And are we going at, like, we think it's better or we're certainly trying to make it better. Do the ratings support that? Uh, you know, just in, in general, trying to kind of see what our, you know, and, and consumers are thinking. Hmm. I like that, man. That's, uh, that's cool. Yeah, it's, I think there's like, a, obviously consistency is the one thing that makes craft beer, craft beer as far as like the, you know, like the, I was going to say like not the, the lack thereof, but the difficulty of that consistency um, for craft beer. It's, it's a, uh, you know, and to be able to, so to sort of like acknowledge the uniqueness of this particular one being that it's, um, you know, a, a different, essentially, it's not the exact same product and it's, and it's almost impossible to, to make it as such. Um, I don't know. I just think that's, uh, that's really cool. It's a great way to, yeah. to go about it, to acknowledge it that way. Yeah, it's very Yeah, cool. I, think, I, think, I think consistent quality is kind of the, the goal. Uh, consistency from like a flavor perspective matters a little bit less, I think, for craft breweries or for like small craft breweries. Uh, like if, I, I listen to, you know, a lot of, a lot of podcasts as well. When you listen to a lot of these big breweries from the U S like when you get into, you know, your stone level or your bells level or founders, uh, you know, when they're out doing hop selection and they've got some of these beers that they rely on that they're, they're, they're flagships. It's, it's super important that those beers taste the same all the yes, time. Yeah. They don't need it. They, they don't necessarily want them to be improving, you know, they want to taste the same. They want to be very consistent. So when they're out doing hop selection and they're looking for a citra, they want citra that tastes like citra to them. It needs to taste exactly the same versus like yep. people like us, like we're, we're driving after whatever tastes the best. If this version of rhythm is wildly different than the last, as long as it's better then it doesn't, that it doesn't matter. That's, that's fine. Um, but if you're that person that, you know, gets a six pack of your, you know, 
stone IPA every week and you want to take, you want to rely on it and expect it to taste that way. It's different. It's just a different business model. Both of them are, you know, honorable in their own right. Uh, but yeah, for us, it's, uh, yeah, just whatever, whatever we can do to make the beer taste best as possible. When we have, mm. when we have brands that are, we do with some consistency. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to overnight, like you want to do little changes in, you know, uh, to make them be better every time you brew them, you don't necessarily want to do drastic changes, but the goals, the goal is change. Like is you want to be changing for the better. Definitely. That's a really good way to look at it. Cause I feel like there is, there is like, it's two different models. There's the like sort of, it's all, I don't want to say mass produced, but the sort of larger scale produced craft beer, like a stone or, and I don't even know what else in Canada would be like that, aside from maybe bows or steam whistle or something, perhaps. Those are probably the best examples. That are still craft, yeah. And then there's everything else, which if you're a some sort of an educated craft beer drinker, you're going to know that part of the game is it's just, you know, um, shit's going to change because the hops I mean, change. Even- yeah, like, like, like even like, uh, like like Great Lakes Canuck, if, like the, even that would be one the, 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 like in the same uh, in the same realm. I would say that they're probably really just looking for, for sure. that to taste the same every time. Definitely, 100%. and that's that's a great example. Whereas, like almost everything else, it's almost like those particular beers are absolutely the minority in in. Since we're in Ontario, let's call it Ontario craft beer. It would still apply to Quebec and to whatever the whole country and so on and so forth, but. Yeah, those ones are they're they're arguably a different consumer too. Oh, for sure. Yeah, know. there's overlap. Like when you like, for example, like absolutely Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Yes. Yeah. You don't want that beer to change even a little bit. Like nope. the fact that that's the same beer every time, and that's a part of my arsenal. Like, and and you know exactly what to expect. Uh, they get creative in other parts of their, you know, beer program. It's not like it's all that way, but like Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, it's yep. amazing. It's phenomenal. Or like like Bell's Two Hearted. You want yep. it to be that yep. way every single time. Uh, Flying. And, yeah, and I think like your most Eddie. adventurous beer drinkers, like a lot of them, yeah, still have their go tos. The ones that like just, you know, it's nostalgia. Like it just you 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 know you remember drinking that ten years ago. Uh, yeah, so there's room. There's room for both. for For small breweries that don't have a lot of distribution, uh, that's not a factor. But for these bigger breweries that have a huge amount of distribution, and you know, you have people that rely on you day in day out to produce the same flavors. Like it's just different, different mindset, different goals, different priorities. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And I guess, like you said, there is a big crossover. That's true because, like the three of us would happily go and grab a six pack of Sierra Nevada pale ale, but we 100%. would also grab a six pack of rhythm and it would be okay. If this toy, this version was not exactly like the last version, because we also understand that things change and, and you know, it's okay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I guess, part of the consumer education side of craft beer, um, particularly when uh, bringing people in to the industry, you know, people who hadn't experienced a lot, about beer and, you know, trying to learn about it, making them understand that, hey, man, you know, like it's small batch and small batch things can change pretty rapidly, even between flagships, which I guess for you guys is probably not the largest problem in the world, being that 
you don't really have that much that you're pumping out. Like it's not like you're doing like a a batch every other day or whatever of the same beer type of thing. So it's kind of more of a, it's a different situation for Calipot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like any of the flagships that we do have, uh, the expectation would be that they'll evolve with the beer scene. So things that. like things like a Pilsner, they're going to stay a little bit more, that, that expectation is going to change that much. Uh, but for something like a pale ale, like if you had, for example, if you had Jutsu seven years ago or whenever they came up with it, it wasn't a hazy pale ale. No. Uh, yep. The expectation for a pale ale has changed and they've done a beautiful job at evolving that beer through time. Uh, they want it to be, I'd imagine, you know, what people want out of a pale ale at any given time. And that changes. Yep. Uh, so yeah, you gotta, you gotta keep up with that and you don't want to necessarily make big swift changes. They probably had one change where they changed their yeast drastically or something like that. But um, yeah, it doesn't, for, for breweries of this size, yeah, you just want, you just want something that's going to be in line with what your consumers want. Less, mm. less concerned, you know, about, you know, consistent quality, but not necessarily consistency. Great point. And I love the idea about the evolving because I think it's like you mentioned Jutsu is a great example. I know they did the same with Witch Shark and there was a minority yep. of voices were like, oh, I'm making West Coast again. But like it's a sticky, dank 9% beer. It worked better as a New England anyway. Um, and I feel like that's some of the – I just think it's more like it's a, it's a, a more of a forward-thinking approach to being a craft brewery. Like not to get – you know, for, for lack of a better word, like romantic about the beer. Like if this is what spill is or flow is or whatever, like you said, it'll change with the tastes of the brewers. So you guys first and foremost, because as your chase, taste change, you guys are essentially ahead of the curve, arguably more than most of the drinkers, maybe alongside some of them, but most of people probably aren't like, traveling constantly and trading and going nuts and stuff like that right so it's like you're you're keeping tabs on things and if things all of a sudden change from being new england which is highly unlikely but it could happen you're at least able to pivot and keep that brand the same and be like hey this is where the tastes are going so we can sort of move it there like you know slowly it doesn't have to be an immediate change but it's cool to be able to keep a brand because the brand, I guess, is what people remember. Coming back earlier, we're talking about psychology and stuff. Like it's like people are cool with the brand. If the brand changes, there'll be some people who probably be like, or like keep it the same. But most people are going to be pretty cool with that because their tastes are going to change too. And if their tastes haven't changed, they will. It's just they don't know it yet because maybe they're not uh, at the forefront of uh, craft beer, cutting edge, you know, bleeding edge, you know nuances and, and, and the new stuff and the innovation and everything. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like the goal is with beers that we brew often, um, you know, like our flow, for example, we, we want that to be your favorite pale ale. Uh, so yeah, that'll, that'll change through time. And yeah, like when you're, especially like on a hyper local level, you do control like on a greater scheme. No, but on a, on a really local level, you, you, you control trends quite a bit yourself. Mm. Uh, 
So if you start pushing things in one direction or the other, uh, knowing that it's the better direction to go in, whether your customer likes it, knows it or not, um, you know, you, you do control these things. Um, uh, you know, it's just, it's your job to, to know what your consumers like is going to like before they do. Ideally, if you're, if you're, you know, on top of things. Yeah. That's a good way to say it. You don't know before the consumers do. Yeah. That's very cool. Um, no, I love that. Um, I know I almost feels like we just cracked this beer, but like in the interest of getting through what we need to get through, do we need to keep it going? I think, we, I think we should. Okay. No problem. Are you, are you guys finishing your beers or am I the only one that's actually finishing them that we, as we go through here? I finished the first one and I've got about a little less than half left of the other two and probably the same for this one, but I finish them afterwards. Cause once we finish the yeah. one, we just same. start like sipping them. So if you're going hard, I respect it. Greg, I respect it. Thus far, as thus far, I've been fin- so. If my quality uh, diminishes over the next beer or two, then you'll 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 know why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, to be honest, six is is more than what we normally do, but I'm I'm not against it, and I think it's kind of cool because, uh, like, clearly Nate and I are both big fans of what you're doing here, man, and like this is cool to like hear it directly from you. I think this is just a really fascinating convo. So. Um, if you're down to, to keep it keep it cruising, we are. For yeah, sure. 100%. okay. And um, m- much respect, man. Like, like I, I've got a <laughs> I, I, I've got a nine month old who's going to be getting like who's going to be getting me up no uh, like no later than six, and <laughs> and uh, you, you're you're going harder than I am. So respect. <laughs> I get uh, certain things with the wife. I get passes on, and if I'm doing things like this, I get a bit. So you got to take advantage of it. It's work. Yep, for sure. For but, sure, work. But at, at nine months too, like you're right, you're right in the thick of things. You're in the fucking trenches right now. So, oh yeah, uh, I'm, uh, like I'm, I'm very lucky. He, he he's sleeping through the night very reliably, but uh, the, 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 but it's early, it's early mornings for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My li- yeah. my little guy is uh, nineteen, nineteen months, twenty months right now, and it's infinitely easier, you know. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I okay, yeah. that's good to hear. That's good to hear. <laughs> Hope is around the corner, Nate. Yeah. <laughs> um, grab right, that. I'm gonna go grab it. Yeah, no worries. So the next one, uh, Uncle Greg, if I may call you that, I have an Uncle Greg, so it sort of feels right to me. Of course. We are doing Dream On, another double IPA, because we are not scared and we are not fucking around this evening. Uh, tell us about this one, sir. Did you drink the whole of the rhythm? I am impressed. I am impressed. I, I thought I was keeping up. I didn't realize that. No, like, case. and look, that, that's what I was kind of saying earlier. One of the, the classic things, we don't really talk about it on the pod, but I have, a, Nate always laughs at me. I have a, a problem when I'm drinking fantastic beer, having fantastic conversations. I'm like, ah, so I've really, and then I'll wake up the next day and I'll be like, bro, I'm fucked. Like, I'm just, I'm a mess. So I've been really, um, my goal for 2023 is to be more responsible uh, during the podcast and kind of, you know, because as you can imagine, two to three hours and you're uh, crushing all these, you know, whatever. I'm a bit of a lightweight, so it hits me. So I've been trying to be more responsible. And then afterwards, whilst I'm sort of, I usually do all the preparation of the pod after, right afterwards, so I just don't mess around. Then I'll just keep just going between the glasses and just be like, blah, 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 and sipping them all and stuff. So I'll get there. How? 
how often are, are you guys doing these? Would they be every week? Every week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. You you can't get after it every single week necessarily. Yeah, it's. I would probably drink this much on a regular, well, regular evening. No, not that much, but like, you know, on like bigger drinking nights, but I would spread it over 7 PM to 2 AM, 3 yeah. AM. Whereas this is like a two to three hour window. So I realized I would keep getting messed up because I'm so excited and enjoying the beer so much that I'm not doing myself any favors. So I'm like, okay, let me try. Particularly tonight with two double IPAs, like that to me is like vomit town. So it's a heavy night. <laughs> yeah. So I need to is, like pace. That's yeah. Like, if I pace, I'm good. In a short amount of time, we have a problem. So. And this is and this is a very heavy night for me. And like, like to be upfront, I am not fin- like I am not finishing these tonight. Like, and we just did another recording last night as well. And, and like, and I'm already struggling today. So, uh, and on like on a normal on a normal weeknight, I like I'll have one or two. And on on a weekend night, I'll have two to three. So podcast nights are always a little heavier for me. <laughs> I didn't know that. I thought you had more on a regular night. No, no, no. On no on work nights, it's no more than two. Ah, okay. So it's just me who's crazy. No, for, I, I'm in your like. I think I think the big thing is like socially, the drinking pace just accelerates drastically. Yeah, because we're enjoying the and convo, we're chilling, definitely. we're talking about the beer, yeah. and all of a sudden it's like, fuck, now it's been two, three hours and we've downed all these beers. Type of yeah, thing. If, yeah if, I'm, if I'm drinking a double IPA, that's going to take me, you know, 45 minutes, an hour normally. Yeah, typically, uh, for sure. And also knowing that we we're going to hop on this call at 9 o'clock, at 8 o'clock I'm sitting there, I'm like, do I have a beer? Do I not have a beer? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, normally, bro, so, yeah. Go. Normally at five. Normally at five o'clock on a on a. What day are we on? Friday. Uh, Friday. Uh, nor, normally five o'clock on a Friday. I started kind of going down that lane, but. Uh, yep. Same. So you're making up for it. Well, first of all, I appreciate you waiting for us. Um, and it's always a little difficult for me too. Like sometimes I'm like doing. I'm like having dinner on the night I would normally just be drinking. Regularly for dinner, I'm like I'm just gonna have a non-alcoholic beer or sparkling water or something to uh to balance that out it's it's you know it's it's a whole ordeal but to me i was like if i i knew tonight i knew we we're gonna have four but i know we kind of it's almost like we talked you into the six you were the smart one actually and we were like hey <laughs> we got six greg how do you feel about six and then you were like all right <laughs> so yeah um, no yeah, full full disclosure for your audience. I I thought that was just kind of what you guys do. I thought you did four beers, so we do. <laughs> I sent I, I I sent you I sent you two of six different beers. I think correct, correct. Um, more just for you guys to enjoy in your own time. I didn't necessarily know we were going to get through them all tonight. So <laughs> the first one we did, which was full circle, I didn't actually have it on hand. This one too, I don't have on hand. I know the beer well, so I can talk about it. Um. But what I'm are you drinking doing? An, in I'm, drink, I'm drinking another soul to squeeze right now. Oh, yeah. oh, there you go. Stepping back. You're a smart one. I like it. Um, but I'm the only one finishing my beers tonight too, though. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm just saying I'm going to finish them afterwards. I always do. It's kind of, of like my favorite thing, and I'll, I'll like do it slowly because I'm also taking yeah. the one-word tasting notes. So it's kind of cool to go back to it, and then I'll write the full sentences whilst I'm kind of sipping that beer. Though I can't with sure. the coast. That shit is gone. 
But um, and I'm oh, oh yeah yeah the, the Kolsch I crushed that the, the, like that one was just like, like that was too fucking good and I like I couldn't uh, like I couldn't control myself on that one. To be honest, I was watching you drink it and I was looking at your glass the whole time and I was like, Nate is getting into this tonight. He's loving this. Couldn't help myself. <laughs> I was going to bring it up to you later, but I like that was that was very funny to me. Um, so the next one we're doing, uh, Greg, this is uh, Dream On. So this is a double IPA, also 8.2 with uh, Simcoe, Cashmere, and Sabro. Very cool combo. I want to sip this. It looks gorgeous, just like everything else looks gorgeous. Can we put it in us? Cheers, guys. Cheers. Oh, that's fantastic. One other thing to mention as well here that I think we need to – uh th that's worth bringing up is that you know we're having now this is the fourth uh new england ipa in a row and they're very different all of them are yeah. very very different um and i feel like that's one you know sort of like i'm about to say like the criticism like there's not that many people that don't like hey if you don't like haze do you like beer but like they're you know i think it's kind of difficult to make for and this is two of the same maybe abv and another two that are very different like these beers are all very like distinct and unique. Um, you want to maybe talk us through this one, bro? Yeah, so that's that is pretty deliberate on our end. Uh, okay. I, I I appreciate that you feel that way. Um, yeah, like for me, and probably most people, uh, like Treehouse is what you're going for in terms of like, mm -hmm. if you, if you're hot, if you're a hobby beer program, that's kind of what you're going for. Uh, especially like it's a, it's a little bit different now because the, the, the expansion that they've done, the size of the brewery there, they have, uh, the stuff that comes out of there these days is a little bit more consistent, a little bit less, uh, you know, a little bit less different from beer to beer mm. in a good way or bad way, however you look at it. Uh, but if you tried Treehouse's stuff at their, you know, their old system when they're out of months and uh, just the, how they did entirely IPAs and they were just so different and all equally great kind of, you know, however they chose to, you know, whatever their approach was to it. Uh, so that was a big inspiration for me and a lot of people in terms of how we're going to try to brew our IPAs. Uh, so yeah, th there's a lot of things that go into that. Like we do try to be pretty consistent with our grain bill we tweak things here and there pretty consistent with our water profile, tweak things here and there, uh, yeast, et cetera. But like the, the dry hop really does do a huge amount of the heavy lifting. Uh, in this case, this beer, like we actually use different yeast for this beer, uh, you know, just playing around, didn't use our house yeast. So it did impact this beer quite a bit. I think it's really cool. Like, you know, how, how it stands up to our other, uh, our other IPAs. Mm -hmm. uh th this is a beer that we brewed once before uh same same dry hop combination uh is probably like the most well-received double ipa or, or hoppy beer that we had done to date you know Ooh. dream on dream on when we did it and I, I think it's 2020 uh so when we did it this year uh we wanted to kind of meet that expectation of what, what people, you know, think of it and get yeah, different, different yeast, same, same dry hop combination, uh, playing like with Sabro and cashmere in the same hop blend, 
It's very coconutty. Like both of those bring that, you know, to the party, a lot of citrus, uh, Simcoe acts kind of as your mediator, you know, amongst those three for me, it kind of ties them together. But, uh, yeah, I think it's kind of a, a different hop profile, but, a you know, a one that's, that's kind of a crowd pleaser as well. Very cool, man. Um, I can see why. And once again, just to point this out, this was also a uh, 2023 version in untapped, um, which I love. So is this, would you say it's most, mostly for your uh, double IPAs that you do the, the year thing? Or have you done that for singles as well? No, those would be the only two I think we've done it for. So uh, we are going to get – we have a, we've a, we're coming up on our fourth year, uh, you know, anniversary. And we have enough, you know, recipes stockpiled in our brands that we've done where a lot of them we haven't – touch them in three years so we're getting to the point now where we do want to kind of revisit some of those recipes and yeah. when we do you got to kind of reference the fact that we haven't brewed this beer in three years it's going to be quite a bit different so Ooh. uh yeah like there and there's a number of reasons to do that like for one there's beers that we really like that we just haven't done in a while uh whether we like the beer itself or the artwork or a combination of the two uh, we want to bring some of those back. So uh, that'll, that'll be a more common thing that, that we'll be doing with, you know, reaching back into our bag and doing a reinterpretation of it, throw a, you know, throw a date on it and, uh, you know, see what people thought then, see what they think now. Mm. Well, I oh, that's cool. Sorry, go ahead, Steve. No, no, no. I have, I'm just reiterating what I said before. I just think it's like a, such a dope way to approach that. Cause it's just, it's so authentic and it's just so like, like transparent to be like, Hey, yeah. this is, this is the new version. You saw the one 2019, whatever. Here's a new one. Oh. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, so with the beer, so with the three of the beers that we've had and one more that we're going to have in the most recent release, uh, ahead of the anniversary, is there anything that you wanted to talk about or tease about the upcoming anniversary? Ooh. Yeah, for sure. So every year, like fourth year is coming up, uh, March 4th, which is a Saturday. It actually falls this year on our anniversary. Like we opened on a fourth, which is a Monday this year. It's Saturday, which is nice. There you go. Um, Convenient. And uh, yeah, every year we try to get a little bit bigger. It gets a little more, you know, exhausting and, and, you know, for us to pull off, but uh, we've got 10 releases planned for this year. Um, Oof, shit. Doing doing six different collaborations. A uh, couple of them are dipping into the, the Quebec uh, scene, which we haven't worked with any of those breweries previously. So that was really nice. cool uh, to work with a couple of breweries that we, you know, really, really respect. And, you know, we're excited that they wanted to be a part of it. And uh, first anniversary tour, we have some barrel age stuff coming. Uh, oh, we, cool. so... When we first opened, we uh, put beer into barrels right away. We had zero space. Uh, we opened with 6,000 square feet, which is a lot of space, but like for what we're doing, it's not a lot of space. Uh, since then, we're 50% we're greater than that. Now we're up to 9,000 square feet. Uh, but initially, we only had room for literally five barrels. We filled five barrels. We let them sit for almost two years. Uh, released and that was deciduous for 
you know, anyone, anyone that knows those beers, they went over really, really well for us. Uh, but when we emptied those barrels, that was it. We didn't have any other barrels. So we like filled more barrels right after that. Uh, but with our approach to barrel aged beer, largely speaking, unless the beer says otherwise, we're going to let it go. We're going to go long. Uh, we're going to go pushing two years beyond that if, if the beer keeps improving. So we had, we, we released a, the last of that barrel aged beer. I think it was like May, 2021 or so. So it's been almost, almost two years since we released a barrel aged beer. Uh, since then we've just been, because we do have more space now and we've just been filling barrels, stockpiling. Uh, and a lot of those barrels are kind of hitting maturity. The, the older ones are 24 months now. Uh, the ones we're releasing for this anniversary are, are 20 months just because they were tasting the best. Uh, so we've got a blend of uh, rye barrel age and bourbon barrel age stout. Uh, we got a, you know, unadjuncted version and an adjuncted version that we're going to release for the anniversary. So we're we're super pumped about that. Like the the, the first barrel age stout that we did, deciduous, it uh, especially in Quebec, actually, like it it was is a, you know, big big response to it. So uh, you know, we're hoping to keep that going. Like I. I I feel like that's where uh, that's where a huge amount of my personal attention goes uh, and to, to barrel aged stout. Like so far it's been a really small part of what we've done, but it's what we plan and envision to be a huge part of, you know, what people think about when they think about us. Uh, so really, really excited to see what people, uh, you know, think about it. I feel like I've, really know what good barrel aged stout is i think we're right there in terms of the greats uh so we're got a lot of stuff we're excited about but really excited to get more you know barrel aged stout out out there and see what people think i'm even just taking a look at the uh i just looked up deciduous right now and untapped and like the it's like 4.65 or something like as a average and people are like, I'm just seeing the first few comments. People are losing their shit over this, dude. This sounds really, yo, I remember, when did you drop the first one of these? I think it was like March or April. I think it was like April 2021 was the, we did the regular unadjunct okay. version. Yeah. And we, we knew it was going to be, or we didn't know. We, we, we hoped it was, well, we knew it was good. Uh, we hoped it was going to be popular or hope that people are going to be excited about it. So we opened at 10, we opened at 10 AM. We opened two hours early that day, hoping there was going to be a line. And there was like, it was wrapped around the building. It was awesome. Oh, uh, nice. Two months later, we did two adjuncted versions of that. So we did like a coffee maple and a, and a vanilla, um, same reaction. We did that with my buddy, Bobby from Eskerhart. You guys probably don't know him uh, because no. he's like, he's, he's a home brewer, but his reputation is absurd. Like he, like, pay, check it out. You know, when you get off this, like Esker Hart, he's, 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 you know, huge rev in, in the U S uh, like he'll, he'll put out 300 bottles that he's doing on a homebrew scale. And he'll put it out as a lottery where like, you know, you're going to pay $50 a bottle. There might be 10,000 people that submit trying to order and, you know, I'm going to pick 300 that get to order kind of thing. Like Jesus. he's uh, super talented dude. So we're really excited to work from him. And I think that adds to the hype to, to some degree, but the beer was just 
you know, awesome in, in our opinion. And I, I think, you know, in the consumer's opinion as well. Uh, but it's always been a huge part of what we plan to do. Uh, we've always planned, hoped to do it on a really, really high level. Uh, now that we've got, you know, 30 barrels or so going, being able to go like for this anniversary, be able to go and like try them all, pick what we wanted, blend them accordingly, just based on our palates and what we want. Like is, is, is pretty cool to be able to do that. Now we're at that stage as a brewery. Uh, I hope the audience reaction is kind of where we want it to be, but like, we're, we're super pumped about, you know, the beer itself and uh, you know, excited to release that. Man, that is awesome. I, I, as soon as you sort of said it, I remember funnily enough, I have a friend in Montreal who is, who I kind of like used to trade with when I lived there because he was one of those dudes, kind of what you were talking about earlier when you were like doing the heavy trades. So he has like a network of proxies everywhere and all this stuff. And I remember him asking me if I could get it for him because he knew I had Ontario contacts. And I'm like, what's this all about? Um, I don't recall, but now I'm looking at the, the untapped stuff. I absolutely remember this um, from a couple of years ago. And I know the type of person that, would like sell their grandmother for this type of shit. So like that is, uh, that's very cool, man. So are you saying, and you don't have to answer this, but are you saying that there are more deciduous variants coming for your fourth anniversary? For the fourth anniversary, no. We've got uh, different brand built in a very similar way. Okay. Uh, like our, like the way we approach Barely Stout didn't really change in terms of like our base beer. Uh, we've the first, so when we first brewed that beer uh, deciduous, we had uh, Bobby who came down and we did like a 14, like we did a single mash 14 hour boil, something like that. And I remember I did a, put something out our stories, like the, the amount of beer we consumed during that 14 hours was astronomical like the fact that john our head brewer like had the wherewithal to actually brew complete a complete a beer at the end and like transfer and you know you know pitch yeast and everything had to do like unbelievable like he passed out in the malt room later on that night uh but like but we've uh we've changed our approach like the, the base recipe is the same we did split to a double mash uh, it's a little bit more work, but it's a little more efficiency. Uh, instead of doing like a hard, you know, 14 hour boil, we did like a soft, you know, 24 hour boil. Uh, so we changed like little things to it, but like the beer itself is very, very similar to deciduous different barrel treatments though. Uh, so it's, yeah, like our, our approach to, to barely stout is exactly the same. The result is, uh, similar, but time and barrel does really cool things. So I think we've plucked the ones that are perfect for, you know, where they are right now, uh, you know, done adjunct treatments that, that will work off those well. And, uh, but we do have to answer your question, like asked whether we have more deciduous. I've talked to Bobby quite a bit. We want to do that again, just because the audience, you know, I, I think there's going to be an audience for it. So we'll, We'll do another. We'll do another deciduous at some point, just because it'll be cool to do. Uh, but we do have another. We we brewed a barley wine probably 
18 months ago or so with him as well. So that's, that's sitting around in barrels. Uh, we're in no rush oh, for nice. that one with, with barley wine. I like it to go really long. So wouldn't expect any time real soon, but it's, it's tasting awesome too. So excited about that. Alrighty. I'll be anxiously awaiting that. <laughs> yes. But what you're saying about the anniversary stouts is that the same people who lost their collective minds over deciduous will be uh, extremely excited for what's coming with this new brand that was approached in the same way. Yeah, I would think so. I, I, I personally drank the, uh, the, I drank the adjuncted version last weekend, drank the regular version the weekend before that. It's always hard when you're trying your own beer, like, because you're thinking so much about it, like about That's every aspect. Say. It's nice to be able to just enjoy the ride when you're drinking your own beer. That's not the case. You're just yeah. hyper analyzing everything. But like, yeah, like I, I'm looking at like dissecting it as, you know, being as critical as I possibly can be. And I'm, I personally am thinking like there's, it's tasting awesome. Uh, so super, super excited about both those. Uh, and then the other eight beers, you know, that we're doing a, a combination of, you know, IPAs, double IPAs, adjuncted stouts with uh, breweries that were always some of them we're working with for the first time, some of them that we've worked with, you know, before, but like doing things we're really excited about, like, uh, and we're on the tail end, we're brewing our last anniversary beer on Tuesday. So we've got a pretty good idea where everything's sitting. They're all tasting really good. Most of the, like all the labels are done, ordered the wax in, you know, or the glassware, all the, like it's, as you can imagine, it's a huge amount of work trying to prepare for these things. Uh, so we're feeling pretty good. Uh, now it's just a matter of like in this post COVID world, getting everyone to show up and be excited about it. And I kind of feel like, would you say that people are, I mean, first of all, that sounds insane. And if you are nearby and uh, like you need to, like, I feel like I'm going to be in town. So this sounds actually really fucking dope. The, I've heard from, I swear I was talking to somebody the other day or today or yesterday or some, like very recently that was saying that they noticed there's a bit more excitement from people in the post COVID world to do stuff because who said this to me today? What was I doing today? Oh yeah. I had a, I had a call with a brewery today and they were telling me that they think that because this is the first post COVID February and obviously March too, where everything is open, um, people are like ready to go. Yeah, I can see that. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, oh, that made a lot of sense. And then also when you add to the to the mix, one, interprovincial collabs, two, barrel-aged stouts that are on par with arguably some of the best stouts in the uh, province, um, well, it kind of seems like you're, you're – you got to be there and people will be excited to be there. Yeah, I, I would think so. Like we're going to, like we always make, you know, kind of a week of our anniversary. So a lot of it's customer appreciation kind of leading up to it. So it'll be like, you know, cheap chicken sandwich day, cheap burger day, cheap pint day, like just kind of leading up to it. We do something every day, like just to kind of get people in. And, uh, and then on the Saturday, every set like we release all the beers uh generally i think we'll do this again this year we'll release them all on saturday just brewery only 
And then on the Sunday, kind of what's left, we'll do uh, Destroy online. Or... Yeah. Oh, online. Okay. Part... Yeah, sorry. We, we, we've got a bunch of tap takeovers planned too. Like we've reached out to kind of some of our favorite and most loyal uh, licensees. So there'd be that, you know, added to the equation as well. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're a small team. So like I've, I've done all the deliveries until pretty recently. Uh, still doing a good chunk of the delivery. So like we always add that, like we, it's, we release the beers on Saturday local or, you know, at the brewery because on the Sunday I got to be packing beers all day. So there's like that added the equation in terms of like who's actually going to physically do these things. Uh, but uh, yeah. And also like for, especially for the barrel aged beer in particular, we're hoping not to ship a lot of that. Ideally people are picking it up on this Saturday and, like we're looking at probably 350 bottles of each variant. So not a, not a huge amount of, you know, beer to go around. Uh, so yeah, I hope, hope, hope people are there on the Saturday and they're excited to pick it up and, you know, we'll reward people in terms of like, you know, higher, uh, you know, quantity that you can grab at the brewery versus what you could get online kind of thing. So we we want people to come out, you know, we want people to come out on the Saturday. That makes complete sense. Are you doing any distro say to Durand in Hamilton? <laughs> I, I would, I would certainly assume so. Uh, Durand's they're, they're, they're awesome. And in Hamilton, you know, for can sales in particular, uh, you know, Chris puts in a huge man energy to get into cool stuff. And so, he does, yeah. yeah, we, we, yeah, we always, for, for our, like, yeah, our, our licenses are awesome. We always try to always try to hook them up to the best of our ability. That's very dead. But I imagine that the bottles probably would be uh with the volume that you talked about, like it's probably like not gonna leave the brewery at that point. Yeah, like we might do like a case, you know, twelve bottles going to here and there. Uh but like yeah, primarily we, we will try to keep it at the brewery for because uh, we, we want to reward the people that are that are coming out and there's just I think that's yeah, it's, it's just yeah, not I respect that. I don't think and, that's unfair at all. Yeah. And our hope too, like historically when we've like, we want people to come out and kind of hang out for the day and experience the beer, experience the food, experience everything we kind of have to offer. And, uh, and just experience the excitement too. Like I haven't, again, like being where we are when we released our first barrel aged beer, like our regulars came out just expecting to show up and get it. And the fact they had to wait in line and do that whole thing. Like, it wasn't an inconvenience for them. They're just excited to see it. They hadn't seen anything like that. Mm. And for me, like that's like, I, I love that. I love that line culture. Like I've, I've done that forever. I love going to like when my brother, like when I said, when I first moved home, my brother and I went out to you know new England, we slept in the treehouse parking lot and it was the best. Like you, you wake up and there's, mm. 20 other cars there. You're not the only one doing it. And, and you get up and you start drinking beers together. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a cool culture that exists around that. And, uh, it's never going to exist probably on the level that I'd like to in Ontario, but if we can foster it to some degree, uh, people have fun with it. It's, it's cool. Dude, that's so sick. I love that. That's like a real cool, that's almost like a romantic way to look at it. Like yeah, romanticizing sure. lying culture. 100%. Shit, like- 
it's uh it is kind of cool i've lined up a couple of times for beers and like it's it has been a pretty like fun experience so i can understand sort of it's and this is here too not even in the states i haven't been uh as dedicated as yourself to to go out to different things to line up but um i've always sort of wanted to experience it out there so it's cool that you are like taking that and just bringing that whole thing out here with like I was about to say arguably, it's not even arguable. It's like factually world-class beers. Um, not only the things we've been drinking tonight, but obviously like the, the stouts that people are losing their minds over. I can only imagine what those bad boys go for on secondary. Yeah, we had, uh, we, we, we had a set of deciduous cell for like $1,200 for a, uh, it's like a, it's like, it's like a charity raffle, but like still like cool, yeah. cool to hear that. <laughs> cool to hear that stuff yeah man jesus yeah like a guy that i so i like as i said like i i trade with people all over the place i've got a guy in uh steve in in anaheim area that we've traded beers forever and he sent me like a a screenshot of his trade group of someone saying like here's what he's gonna trade for deciduous in southern california it's just really cool to see that and you know that yeah, that, that stuff cool. Yeah, that, that stuff is that stuff's neat to see. Hell yeah, man! Um, with that, shall we do the final and then uh, take it take her on home? Yep, let's do it. This is a style that personally I'm a huge fan of, and I feel like it's one of the most underrated styles uh, in the game. We've had this a few times on the pod recently. We are talking brown ales, ladies and gentlemen. Now this isn't just a brown ale though, is it, Greg? This is a this is a brown ale with a twist, goddammit. This fella Yeah, we talk us talk to me. Talk to me. Yeah, it's one of the uh it's one of the one of the first beers we did. Like I wanna say it was I don't know, in the top ten first beers we did, something like that. Woo! And uh yes. Yeah, we've we'd already done you know an oatmeal stout at that point, and just thought it'd be a little bit more original to do coffee paired with the brown ale, and it the, just the pairing works really really well. It's become a, a rotational series for us, and so now every time we brew it, we do it with a different roaster, a different local roaster, a different local coffee. Oh, that's uh, cool. But like, but like very very coffee forward. Um, Love it. And yeah, compared with that like caramel biscuity kind of quality that a brown hell brown ale has to offer. Uh yeah, I we like Oh man. The, the nose is insane. Yeah, it's wild. I'm aggressively team brown ale. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the flavor profile in terms of like with a stout, which is much more common, getting more, you know, dark chocolate and roasty qualities versus caramel and toffee and you know a nuttiness uh it just it pairs really really well with coffee oh it just smells it's got ex- absolutely exactly how you just described it that's how it smells the caramel the toffee and then yeah it's like, this is like from a this is intoxicating that's a great word for it the uh the coffee is almost like is it was more uh pungent as soon as you pop the can um and now it's kind of leveled out a little bit 
which is which is awesome. Um, and this is also with Magma Coffee. I actually haven't heard of them. I'm a big, big, big. Uh, both Nate and I are big like third wave coffee fans. Are they a local guy? The local brewer, uh, roaster, sorry. Yeah. So the the roasters Black Sheep. They're in uh, Welland. The coffee okay. is is ma- the coffee's Magma. The coffee's uh, Magma. Roaster Black Sheep. Gotcha. Correct. Um, yeah, dark roast. Uh, yeah, pretty pretty robust. Like we. We did, as we've ever progressed in this series, we've gone more like heavy and heavier on the coffee in terms of like an absolute volume uh, and shorter contact time. So uh, trying to get like all those like fresh, you know, aromatic, flavorful qualities and keep the astringency down and bitterness down. So, uh, yeah, progressing, you know, to to capture coffee to the best of our abilities and I, I, I like this version quite a bit. It's, how many versions have you done? Uh, we've probably done probably done four. Probably a fourth version of Rise. Four. Okay. Um, why a brown ale? Oh, first of all, cheers. Can we get this in us? Cheers. Cheers, y'all. Good Lord. Oh, my gosh. I fucking love that. Oh, that's outstanding. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Brown ales are so underrated. Fucking hell. Um, why did you choose a brown ale as the base for a coffee beer in a... And, and it's even more interesting coming from you, to be honest. Um, you know, the Hayes guys, the big stout guys... Um, where did the thinking come from behind that, man? Yeah, so it was, it was it was early days. Like this is one of our one of our first, probably inside of the first six months, anyways. And uh, yeah, it just it it was something that we hadn't had much of. Uh, I still haven't had much of in terms of brown ale, brown coffee. Had one, I can think of. I, yeah, haven't very... haven't had much of, and it's it's just very very complimentary it just seems like a very nice uh and our brew team they're they're coffee connoisseurs like that's they're that's kind of what they do so um you know as a marriage of what we want to do with beer and coffee and how do we showcase coffee to the best of our ability uh we do coffee stouts too um but it's it's a different representation of coffee like this is you know oh, more of more of like for us like a, a true representation of coffee like how can we showcase the coffee to, and have the beer support that uh and we've like as i mentioned this is, has become like a rotating uh series for us but that that base beer like with those those notes uh you know in terms of being like biscuity caramel toffee like they just they work really, really well to, to kind of elevate coffee. Mm. Uh, so, and, and also is just trying to be intentional about being a little bit different, like just trying to have a different approach to a coffee beer. Uh, people do, you know, coffee blondes, they do coffee sours. Like there's, there's a bunch of different ways you can do coffee, but like this was kind of our, you know, what, what we wanted to try. And it, it we've, yeah, we, we've liked it. We've stuck with it. We've, uh, you know, keep playing with it, but, it's one that we like a lot. It's great, man. Honestly. Like 
on the like on the first couple sips, the interpretation that, that like that I kind of get from this, like what different what would might differentiate this from say a coffee stout, is that this is really kind of letting the coffee shine as like as like the star of the show and the the notes that the brown ale is like is bringing to it with uh, like with those toffee notes they like they're a little more subtle but they're but they're kind of supporting and accentuating co- like coffee notes whereas a stout is like where like that's really more the beer is the star of the show and the coffee is kind of um like is kind of playing a supporting role to it. Whereas I feel like in this, the coffee is really shining and the beer is uh, like, is really playing like, like the good supporting character. Does that like, does that align? Do you think? Yeah, a hundred percent. Like that, that was the goal. Uh, and I do think that happens. And every time we try a different roastery, try a different coffee, like we're always blown away by how much that transforms the beer. And I yeah. think that the, I think the foundation of, of like being a brown ale and being a, you know, it's pretty traditional. Like it's, uh, you know, pale malt, caramel, a little bit of chocolate, a little bit of biscuit. Like it's a pretty simplistic, uh, you know, canvas to work with. It really, yeah, that, that really is the goal to let the coffee speak. And ideally the foundation of the beer kind of elevate that, add, you know, the sweetness it needs, uh, you know, the roundness it needs to, you know, to, to be, uh, you know, a balanced beer overall, but yeah, it's made the, it's made the experience of working with different roasteries really interesting because it, it just absolutely transforms the beer and, mm. uh, it's, it's, you know, rewarding when you, cause when you, every time you work with a different roastery, like they're super excited and they want to showcase that beer or sorry, they want to showcase that coffee. Uh, so to be able to feel like we're actually doing that, uh, is, you know, it's, it's cool experience for us. Yeah, man. I love that. I could, I like, I could drink this with brunch. Like this, this is so fucking good. Yeah. It's very like, I got a lot of cold brew vibes. Um, yeah, yeah. it is, it is, it is that right. Like we're, we're just, we're literally, you know, throwing coarsely ground coffee beans into the beer and we're conditioning, cold conditioning. So we are, we are doing that. Like it's Making without water. Yeah. Without water. Like you're just using, and then you, you utilize the alcohol to strip out flavors a little more efficiently as well. Yeah. I'm sure little, you know, certain things will kind of pop in, in conjunction with the malt and the other different sort of chemical reactions that are happening in there and stuff. It's um, it's like a fascinating way, like you like to showcase coffee, and it, and it, like you said, I've I had one in Quebec City that I'd ever had. It was like a nitro brown with uh with coffee, and that was mm. it. Never had never had anything like that. That was a few years ago. Um, it's fascinating, man. I think this is like a cool way to do it, and like I mentioned, I feel like I, I feel like I hope I hope brown ales are kind of coming back a little bit. Like I feel like I've seen a few now. That popped up either on pods or just in general. I'm just like interesting that uh, these breweries are doing brown ales. I hope it becomes a thing. I didn't realize how I don't know, just like how like missed maybe they were until having a few on. I was like, Jesus Christ! Like this is fire! Like this, really, yeah. Sankey and Baron in Quebec did one, which is killer. Anderson in London did one on the pod. Yep. Um, 
and now this, there might have been another one that I'm forgetting, but like it, it's still very, very, very few and far between. But the ones that we've had have been like really good. And this is even more interesting because it's not just a brown ale, it's a brown ale with coffee, um, which is just a whole more, you know, whole interesting drinking experience, man. This is dope. What's the response to this, man? People love this, I imagine, since you've made it a series. Yeah, for like it's been a bit of a, a cult thing for us. Like, um, it honestly like it doesn't sell as well as a lot of beers, but like the amount you hear about it, like the volume on it is like when you don't have it available, the people that love it pound your door all the time. So, um, yeah, like we just make it a little bit smaller now uh, in terms of the batch size, just to like you know, tailor to that audience. But, uh, again, it's one of those beers we really, really like. It's always just, it's fun to do. It's fun to work with local roasteries. Um, we've got one. So there's like a bunch of breweries that are, have kind of come together to, to put out, a like a breakfast beer series, which I won't speak too much about because I'll wait for that to be announced. Uh, but our version of that is, uh, so we're doing like a, in a we, we've done a beer called, this is Rise, we've done a beer called Rise and Shine, which is like a higher alcohol, uh, 7.5% uh, brown ale uh, in the past. Mm. So our, our version of the beer that we're doing for that, which will be uh, in a week or two, um, we did like a, a we, we're calling it a, a dark, or I think we're called blended dark ale. I think is what I called it, uh, where we did like a blood. We did like a, it's like fifty percent brown ale, thirty percent imperial stout, twenty percent double stout. It's a blend of like some base dark beers that we had, uh, with uh, whiskey, barrel aged coffee, maple, vanilla, cinnamon. Uh, so the goals. The goals like, uh, you know. French toast, coffee, you know, kind of breakfast vibe with that. Oh, I so mean, I fucking uh, love that. <laughs> and it, and it, it turned out really, really well. So we got that packaged already. We're just not releasing it for a week or two, but like, that'll be, if you guys like this, it'll be in the, in the same realm with some other stuff going on. But like, it's the first time we've, first time we were blended, uh, you know, unaged, unbarrel aged beers, which was a cool thing in itself. Uh, you mm. know, just blending, blending base brown ale and, and imperial stout and uh came out really cool first time working with uh, like barrel aged uh coffee beans as well which offers its its own you know quality to a beer yeah man that is fascinating so i mean by the time this comes out so it'd be kind of like a week and a half from when the recording maybe it'd be pretty close yeah i think uh 10 days something like that okay this will probably come out within about the same amount of time. So by the time people hear be, this, yep. it might be uh, around the the release date. So keep an eye out. That's fascinating. That's super cool, man. Um, yeah. Man, this is awesome. I feel like I know I'm looking at the time. I know we're coming up on three hours, but this was like such a dope conversation. We had to keep it going. I'm Absolutely. conscious of everybody's time. And I know you guys have uh, little human beings in the home that uh, will stop your slumber. And I absolutely don't want to uh, keep you guys too much longer. But was there anything else we want to touch on before we wrap this bad boy up? 
No, I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think so. Uh, yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. Like much like you guys, when we when we hang up here, I'm I'm probably gonna have another beer and hang out on the couch for a bit. So it's not like I really have anywhere to be. <laughs> but uh, no, is is uh, yeah, no, it's cool. I've been been looking forward to the call and hanging out with you guys. So appreciate you guys having having me here. Oh hell yeah, man! Uh, likewise, dude. Like I said, I've heard only exceptional things about you and everything that you guys are doing. Um, and tonight, I think really proved it, man. I think this is like a really fantastic um, lineup of beers, and just to let people know. I mean, once again, this just scratches the surface of what you do. Obviously, you got the whole sour side, the whole um, crispy side in, in a deeper volume, and also now, like you know, all these barrel age stuff. Like, there's a lot that you guys are doing. Um, the uh, anniversary stuff just sounds like mind blowing. Um, so, I mean, the date. Just to remind everybody, the date for the anniversary is. Saturday, March fourth. Correct. I'll uh, I'll I'll send you guys over some of our barely stout as well. You guys, you guys, no, let man. me know what you think. I think you're gonna like it, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll make sure we get some into your hands for sure. Oh man, that would be. Oh, I uh, love that. Yeah, honestly, like th- this is crazy because it's it sort of put two and two together. Because I actually forgot that my friend, when I still lived in Montreal, was asking me about deciduous, and then that sort of bringing it all together so now hearing that story um great stuff man like you're doing some really cool shit that i think is really important for the scene in ontario man and i think it takes a person like you who like what i i mean this in like you're one of us as in like you're just a a, a a beer fan who did what he needed to do to get the best beer and then you're replicating that in your own space in in niagara falls and i just think that's like so sick um because it's like you understand the culture you are of the culture you are that like you are the person that you're serving um and you're really like taking that to uh, you know a higher level and then adding the higher level of food as well to that and really creating curating an experience and giving people just fire across the board and uh you know as a fellow drinker in in this glorious province and country it's we're grateful to you man and like for 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 doing this shit, man, it's it's very very cool, man. Um, you should be very proud. This is very it's been very cool just to kind of get this whole snapshot. And I think this is what I and I could probably speak for Nate too. Like, enjoy about this is to sort of learn a lot more about the brewery, get that full story whilst drinking the beer, and it's sort of like man, it just really puts it all in perspective for us. And we can really, and I hope it does the same for the viewers and listeners as well. Just to be like, this is what Counterpart is about, and like this is what you can expect when you head by and now i'm just uh, the next goal is to get by for some uh some beer and food god damn it absolutely yeah it's uh greg it's really been a genuine pleasure to uh, like to have you on and to hear more of the story of the brewery to like you know we like we both had some like some of your beers before and to have a bunch more back to back tonight has been a real treat and uh, uh and to kind of hear what like like what the brewery's about your like your philosophy everything like everything around how you're kind of go, like going about your business and uh, like and how you serve your customers and what like what it kind of delivers to the scene is uh, like it's really inspiring stuff and I think you're like you know like C said you're doing really good things for the scene and we can't wait to see what's coming and we're really excited to see what those uh anniversary releases are going to be for sure no I, yeah 
appreciate the hell out of you guys. Um, really, really cool to be on the, on the show today. It's something that, uh, you know, hope to do for a long time. So, uh, and be able to spend, spend the time just, you know, shooting the shit, uh, you know, really cool for me personally. So, uh, yeah, appreciate what you guys do for the beer scene as well. You know, keep, keep, keep things, keep things, uh, you know, perpetuating and moving. And, uh, yeah, if you ever, uh, if you ever want to do it again, if you ever want to stop at the brewery, can't wait to see you guys. Both of the Absolutely. Above. Yeah, man. We love doing the regular sort of like catch-ups, um, whenever it may be, usually six to 18 months in between. What Basically, whenever you want, if you're like, hey, man, I got some shit popping, like, well, let's jump on, let's get it going. Like, we're absolutely down. And uh, the great thing, uh, Nate's parents are, are pretty close by where I live, and, and uh, Nate comes out here somewhat regularly. So uh, one of our things is every time Nate's in town, we're trying to like, hit somewhere together if we're able to. So uh, we'll definitely keep you posted um, if we're able to get, make it down, man. And even like uh, my partner and I, we're pretty close to, like, obviously it's like whatever. How far is it from Hamilton to Niagara Falls? Like, I actually haven't 45. done it. 45? Boom. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Okay. That's so okay, so so we, we can make that happen one of the times I'm in Burlington. That's like that's an easy drive. Yeah, man, fuck, that would be I, sick. I, I think you guys could probably be there for the anniversary if you wanted to be. I feel like I think we probably I think we probably make that happen. Yeah, I feel mm. like I feel like I could make that happen. Um, we we could probably carve out a space for you. <laughs> you okay, <laughs> if you're able to, please don't go out of your way. But if you're able to, uh, I'm am gonna keep you posted. But. <laughs> I'm going to keep you posted. So, Greg, I'm going to wrap this up, but keep, stick around after the call and we'll, we'll, we'll chat it up for a little bit. Um, but uh, once again, thank you, brother, for, for taking the time and for being so generous tonight. This, is, uh, this has been an honor. Um, Nate and I love this. Where can everybody find Counterpart Brewing online and in person? Yeah, so our, uh, certainly come to the brewery. You know, that's what we do. That's where we put the vast majority of our energy in terms of, uh, you know, having people in our space, but, uh, outside of that Instagram, uh, you know, counterpart brewing, uh, same with our website, but yeah, at the end of the day, if you can get to the brewery, that'd be, uh, you know, we'd like to see you. Hell yeah. Love it. Um, just before I get to you on the night, let's take the screenshot. I'm going to take a screenshot for the, uh, thumbnail here. Do you want to hold up some, uh, cans? Ooh, which am I going to hold up? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Decisions, decisions. I know. I'm just like, ooh. let me see if I can get three in my little palms here. There we go. There we go. All right. Y'all ready? <laughs> Glorious. Um, all right, Nathaniel, where can everyone find you online, sir? Uh, so you can find me everywhere at Nathan Does Beer and right here co-hosting BAOS Podcast. Yeah, gosh darn right. Uh, everyone, thank you for watching and listening. Uh, this was a genuinely fantastic pod. If you enjoyed the episode, smash the thumbs up, hit subscribe below, hit the notification bell, Nathaniel. Ding. So you know when the new new drops. Follow us everywhere at BOS Podcast. We drop the pods every Wednesday the audio goes live about 7 a.m., so if you are commuting, you have some fresh new conversations to carry you over, and we drop the uh, the videos in the evening around 8 p.m. Um, we w- Is there anything else? Oh, yeah, throw us a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts if you feel so inclined. If you think 
the conversations are worth it. I think they are because it's not about me or Nate. It's about Greg. It's about the guests. It's about the breweries that we're trying to shed some light on and just really show some love to you guys. So if you enjoy it, please let us know. We will see y'all in the next episode. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.